And we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review with Hot Topic Sound Off. And this week we are reviewing the races on the Charlotte Oval from the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series, as well as the ARCA Menard Series East season finale in Pensacola, Florida at Five Flags Speedway. We'll start with that in our first half hour and uh, we'll review both the ARCA East race at Five Flags Speedway along with the Xfinity Series on the Charlotte Roval. Uh, that was a really messy race, uh, and we'll talk about that during the first half hour. But our guest uh, at 9 o'clock is NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Joe Graff, Jr. with SS Greenlight Racing. He'll join the conversation. This was his debut on the Charlotte Roval, and under what I would call not optimal conditions, he was able to bring home a 15th-place finish, which was really, really good uh, for him and his team. So I'm really looking forward to talking with Joe Graff, Jr. about that, and we'll do that at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. At about 9.15-ish, 9.20-ish, we'll get into the Cup Series review uh, from the Charlotte Oval. And uh wasn't quite as messy as the Saturday race, but uh, still a lot of fun watching uh, the drivers race on the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, at 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Bamfa Racing crew. And tonight, uh, it's going to be me and Jay again uh, covering the hot topics uh, from the weekend of racing. Joining us now is our co-host for tonight, and that is Sal Sagala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Yeah, really looking forward to tonight's uh, show here. We've got a lot to talk about, and uh, we might as well get into the Arkham and Art Series East finale. Uh, they raced this weekend at Five Lake Speedway in Pensacola, and this was uh, the final race of the season for them, and Sam Mayer wraps up the championship title two years in a row for the, Can- uh, for the Arkham and Art Series East. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good um, finish to the uh, I, I, I don't two weekend they've been trying to get uh, they're trying to get you know going as far as um, they raced out at five five flags didn't they? Yes, that was the season finale at five flags. Yeah, there was a I I, I was following it and they I, I know they had some schedule changes you know as far as you know because of the weather and stuff that was coming through so. It's good that they that they got it through, you know, and got it through, you know, when they when they did. <clears throat> exactly. So, um, so yeah, it it was uh, good that they were able to get it in. It was scheduled actually, Sal. I think for Friday or Saturday. I can't remember now. But it, it was actually rescheduled from the original date to Sunday because of the rain. So they were they were able to finally get that in. Uh, Seventeen years old, and Sam Mayer is the guy to, that uh, the man of the hour, if you will, uh, in the Arkham Art Series East. Uh, uh, he's won three championships, two back to back in the Arca East, and one for the Sioux Chief Showdown Championship. So every championship uh, series that he's raced in, he's won uh, the title. 
So pretty amazing for him. Yeah, it is amazing, especially for the, you know, as young as he is, you know, and, uh, you know, and everything, you know, that he's had, uh, you know, especially this season with the, with the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, and the way that, you know, schedules were changed. And, you know, for a while, you know, the drivers, you know, were didn't know where they are going to run, you know, from, you know, their next race to the next race. Exactly, exactly. So uh, the drivers made the most of it. Uh, I will say, uh, to kind of finish out our top five here, Sam Mayer came in first in that race for GMS Racing. Uh, Corey Heim was able to get by Ty Gibbs, and he came home with a 20th, I'm sorry, with a second-place finish in the number 20 car for Venturini Motorsports. Ty Gibbs uh, ended up finishing third. Then it was Taylor Gray in fourth, and Grant Infinger, a former Arkham Menard Series champion, uh, rounding out the top five in the number 77 for Chad Bryant Racing. So uh, really cool to see that three rookies in that top five group. Yeah, it is, especially for that, you know, for that track. You know, Five Flags is in you know, one of the more easier, you know, it's, it's one of the less, you know, forgiving tracks, that, you know, that's out there in the, on the on the schedule to begin with. Now, the next five drivers in the top ten are also all rookies. Jesse Love from the West came out east. He finished in sixth place. Daniel Dye for Ben Kennedy Racing finished in seventh. Justin Carroll, eighth. Nick Sanchez from Rust, from uh, Rev Racing in ninth. And Parker Retzlaff rounds out the top ten. So uh, there were three drivers that did not finish. Uh, Chase Cabre had a crash on lap 197. Uh, and a couple of other drivers with mechanical issues included Brad Smith in the number 48 and D.L. Wilson in the number 11 for Andy Hillenberg. Uh, both of those cars had mechanical issues. So everybody else was able to finish out the race. That's Grant good. I mean, cause they had what? Yeah, they had a good solid 19 car field, you know, for this they race, did. you know, which you know, you know, which we've seen the car counts, you know, not, you know, not being really that spectacular this season. So it was good to see, you know, all these drivers, you know, that made it out there. Exactly. Grant Infinger actually uh, led the most laps at 175 of 206 laps. So, uh, but wasn't able to bring home the victory. Uh, it looked like he was going to because he was pretty dominant, but Sam Mayer was able to pull off that victory. Do you want to go over the points, or are you able to do that? So. Yeah. Um, the point standings, well, we were we already know, as Scherner has already met, you know, um, Sam Mayer won the championship. So, uh, of course, he finished first, and then second was uh, Ty Gibbs, Third is was Nick Sanchez. Fourth was Parker Ratcliffe. Fifth is Mason Biz. And then the next five down from there would be Justin Carroll in sixth, Chase Cabaret seventh, Taylor Gray eighth, Max McLaughlin ninth, and Brett Holmes rounded out the top ten. Yeah, the only disappointment I had for this uh, team, and I know it was a COVID-19 year, so a lot of this just could not be helped. But they only had six races in their season this year. We're used to this being more of a 10-race uh, or 11-race or 14-race kind of schedule. So to have a season with just six races 
uh, I know was a little bit disappointing for these guys, but they put on a really good show for all of the uh, fans in this Arkham and Art Series East. Yeah, they did. And, you know, they raced some tough tracks. You know, I mean, you know, I think, you know, the way they got it set up, you know, back east, you know, it's, you know, it's a, a good uh, a good mix, you know, the tracks that they, you know, they were able to, you know, to, to race on, you know, like I said, only being six races. Exactly, exactly. Um, but congratulations, of course, to Sam Mayer for winning uh, the back-to-back championships in the ARCA East. And uh, I, I tell you what, I'm really looking forward to seeing him race more. Uh, I know he's going to be racing with Junior Motorsports uh, next year, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him on the track in NASCAR's top three. Yeah, it's, it's going to be. Um, it's going to. Be, I'll tell you, it's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, because actually, he's making the jump from uh, straight from the. Arcus Arthur E series to Infinity and usually they make a stop in you know a year or two in the trucks. Well he's he's actually raced in the Gander R V and Outdoor Truck Series uh, a few times this year and he actually has a win there if you recall. So even though yeah. it wasn't no, uh, full time because of his age you can't race yeah. full time. <clears throat> but yeah. he did well, do yeah. some racing in that truck series this year. Yeah, that's what I meant, you know, was you know, to see him, you know, do a you know, full time you know, a full-time season in the truck series. Yep. Well, hopefully his birthday, uh, I'm sure, can't come soon enough uh, for him to turn 18 and be able to race full-time. Let's go ahead and move on, Jay. I'm sorry, Sal. I forget who I'm talking to sometimes. Let's go ahead and move on to um, the 39th annual Drive for the Cure 250 that was at the Charlotte Roval this weekend. What a wild race for the Xfinity Series. The A.J. Allmendinger at age 38 was the race winner uh, in the number 16 Ellsworth Advisor Chevrolet for college racing with his crew chief, Justin Cox. It is his fifth victory in 27 Xfinity Series races, his second victory and eighth top ten finish this year, his second victory and second top ten finish in three races at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course. Noah Gregson finished second, posting his second top ten finish in three races at the Roval, and it is his 22nd top ten finish this year. Daniel Hemrick in third, posting his second top ten finish in three races at the Roval. Riley Earps was the highest finishing rookie. He finished 12th. And Colic Racing's, uh, it was his their seventh victory in the NASCAR Xfinity Series to round out the remainder of the top five of the top ten. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> in fourth place was Alex LeBay. Uh, it was a pretty good run for him in the number 16. Ross Chastain finished in fifth place. The next five were Austin Sindrick, Cody Ware. Uh, a nice finish for him, as well as Jade Buford, also Michael Annette and Brandon Jones, along with uh, with Brandon Jones, round out that top ten. There were four non-playoff drivers in the top ten, including Daniel Hemrick, Alex LeBay, Cody Ware, and Jade Buford. Uh, Jade Buford, by the way, is a teammate to our guest later on tonight, Joe Graff Jr. 
Sal, are you there? Yeah, well, it was a heck of a race. You know, it started out, you know, with the, uh, you know, you know, pretty clear. I mean, of course, you know, they knew rain was coming in, and then, boy, but when that rain came in, it it, it just it, it, it came torrential. in hard. And, yeah, it was torrential. Yeah, I mean, for the part that I did, you know, get to watch of it, I was up at Irondale this weekend. We were having one of our championship nights, so couldn't really watch too much of it, mm-hmm. but. I was catching glimpses of it, and, and uh, man, I'll tell you, those drivers really put on a heck of a show. They really did. It was uh, it was a uh, challenge, I'm sure, for a lot of these drivers, which made it very interesting. Um, Kaz Grala, who was racing this weekend in the number 21, uh, actually won the first stage, and then winning the second stage was Chase Briscoe. He looked like he was going to win uh, this race, uh, but spun in the last turn uh, and wasn't able to make it uh, to the finish line first. But they put on a really great show. The margin of victory was point four four six seconds. There were 10 lead changes for 24 laps and 14 lead changes, I'm sorry, 10 caution flags for 24 laps and 14 lead changes among six drivers. So, uh, a pretty interesting race overall. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was very well. You know, and I'm glad. You know, the NASCAR. You know, you know, decided. You know, for like, you know, these races. You know, to go to go with the rain tires. You know, when instead of just, you know, like they, you know, used to it back. You know, way back. You know, where they would they would um, if the rain now they didn't run it. Yeah, they call it race. But I mean, with the with the slower speeds and making the left and right turns. You know, you know they're able to, you know, to run in the, um, you know, to run with the rain tires and, and uh, you know, still make a race out of it. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to cover the points, Sal? Yeah. Then on the points end, we got Chase Briscoe, who is still leading. Uh, second is Austin Cedric. And then from there we go down to third is Justin Algier. Fourth is Noah Gregson. And Justin Haley rounds off the top five. And then from there we go down to sixth is Brandon Jones. Seventh is Ross Chastain. Eighth is Ryan Seek, who's still hanging in there. Uh, ninth is Harrison Burton. And then uh, we go down to tenth, Brandon Brown, Michael Annette, and Riley Herbst is uh, uh, holding up under the 12th spot. So, I guess when we looked at it, it was uh, Ryan Sieg was the last one to get in as far as going to the next round, right? Yeah, he Ryan Sieg is in uh, that number eight spot. Harrison Burton, Brandon yeah. Brown, Michael Annette, and Riley Earps were all below uh, that round of eight cutoff line. Yeah. So, but I don't know, know if this different. was this an elimination race. It was for the Cup Series. Was it an elimination you know race for the Xfinity it, it too? Looks, according, according to the points, it looks like it was a uh, an elimination race. Okay, because are you looking at NASCAR.com? Uh, no, I'm looking at the sheet you sent me because they go from uh, it goes from Ryan Sieg that has he has three thousand two points. And then ninth, Harrison Burton has 2,068 points. Oh, I see. Yeah, so so it, it had to be an elimination race. 
It wasn't okay, a mention so, race. Because I remember, I, okay. I remember last weekend, Wright, Wright Hurst was talking I think about you're right. that he needed, yeah, that he needed a good run at the Roval in order to make it into the, um, in order to make it into the, uh, into the next round. Yeah, and I remember those guys kind of talking about it as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Ryan Sieg, uh, uh was the last guy to make it in there. Okay, so uh, and this is, again isn't is just showing how important these uh, playoff points are. And I'll tell you what the the drivers in the Xfinity series are doing the best they can to get as many of these uh, playoff points as they possibly can. Chase Briscoe has a whopping 60 playoff points. Austin Sindrick with 50, 33 for uh, Justin Algauer. And then it goes down to uh, 25 for Noah Gregson, 23 for Justin Haley, 20 for Brandon Jones. That's all the way down to six. Then you've got Ross Chastain with 10, Ryan Sieg with two, and Harrison Burton, who fell below the cutoff line. Uh, he had a challenging day for sure. Uh, he did have 14 playoff points, but it wasn't enough to help him stay uh, in that round of eight group. Yeah, it was. Um, I'll tell you, it's uh, this top eight is is uh, really uh, you know when they start you know the next round you know then of course you know they cut down to four you know for the championship for the last championship race, but um, it's going to yeah. be a good it's going to be a good battle here. I mean Chase Briscoe, the way he's sitting now, he it's, he's almost guaranteed you know a spot into the into the into the uh, top four you know pending having you know, three bad races because of all the playoff exactly. points. Exactly. He's he's just had a phenomenal year. He's got eight race wins, almost had nine wins with the race on the Roval. He was uh, really racing hard for it. Uh, Austin Sendrick with five yeah. victories, Justin Algauer with three, Justin Haley with three, Brandon Jones with three. The drivers with two victories are Noah Gregson, and Harrison Burton, who's now out uh, of that round of eight group. So um, wins are a big deal. The only two drivers without a win so far are Ross Chastain and Ryan Sieg. So they're they're racing really hard to stay in this top group. Uh, They're going to have to race super hard uh, to be a part of that final four at Phoenix. Oh yeah, they are. They're gonna have to, you know, you know, stay up. You know, I mean, they're gonna need, you know, top three finishes, you know, to have a, you know, to have a legitimate chance, depending on how, you know, on how, um, you know, uh, actually depending on how Noah Gregs and well, Greg, Ryan Sieg is only twenty, twenty-two points away from, or twenty-three points away from Noah Gregson. So I mean, there's a possibility that he can catch him. As far as catching Briscoe, you know what, that's going to be tough. But, I mean, then all it takes is a win. You know, yep. just that one race win, you know, to get you back, to get you in there, you know. So, um, Chastain is due for a win. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't had a win this season. And um, yeah, I'm sure he too. feels the same way. You know, he probably feels like Kyle Busch feels, you know what, I should already have at least one win this season. And, yep. um, you know, Chastain now, just might have... be getting one. I, I do have some audio, right, from A.J. Allmendinger. 
the race winner in the number 16 Ellsworth Advisors Chevrolet. So let's hear what he had to say after winning that race and the battle he had with uh, Chase Briscoe. We are now joined by our race winner, A.J. Allmendinger, driver of the number 16 Ellsworth Advisor Chevrolet. A.J., we are going to go straight to questions for you. We're going to start with David Smith. Hey, A.J., uh, the doubling of the Cup Series road course schedule next year, has uh, a team contacted you about a ride, and would that be something that you would consider or be additionally motivated to do? Um, I haven't been contacted by any teams. You know, I think uh, it, it's tough right now with the just the limit of the cars. You know, obviously the big teams for the most part have their lineup set or, or setting their lineup for the year. Um, you know, I think maybe possibly if we get closer to those races, we could uh, start talking to some teams if there's some, some things available. But as I said right now, I think – most of their teams got their lineup set, and they're they're maxed out on cars. And the ones that are maybe still looking for some ride or for some drivers, they uh, you know they're looking for the drivers for the full season. So um, I think it's awesome with what NASCAR is doing to to try to change up the schedule. Obviously, I'm biased towards six road course races, so it'd be fun to be a part of in in one way or another. Um, but you know, at the same point, I want to do it with the opportunity to uh, to go out there and contend, run up front and possibly win the race, uh, but more importantly, just be competitive. So I think that's the challenge in, in finding the right car. There's just not a lot of those seats that are open right now for those races. Thank you. Next we'll go to Bob Hawkers. Yeah, AJ, um, just cup, cup tomorrow has 100 more horsepower. Will What other challenges beyond what you face today will, will they face? And if somebody came up to you and asked you what's what, what – what do you tell them about trying to race in those conditions? I mean, those conditions, it's uh, – to me, it's not a lot of fun. That, they're, they're, it, there's fun driving in the wet when it's not puddling up and, and flooding the racetrack. That was just chaos. And, and, you know, at times you hit puddles and you're sliding, hoping that the car stops. Uh, you know, so if it's those types of conditions tomorrow, horsepower doesn't really matter, quite honestly, because it's just – uh, it's more hydroplaning that the cars have that we were facing out there and, and the struggles of that. So the added horsepower won't make a huge difference in that. It would just be more um, interesting with those cars being slammed to the ground if they hydroplane worse. That's that's the question that I have. So um, other than that, I mean, we got we got the best drivers in the world in the Cup Series. So um, there's not a lot of advice. You just got to. It's almost like racing an old Darlington racetrack or, or something like that. You got to race the racetrack. You know, when the 98 passed me, it was frustrating, and he had more pace on me. But I was going as hard as I could go because I knew that was the limit of what I could do and what the car could do at that point. So um, it's almost like just driving on on old tires, like at Darlington, where you're just racing the racetrack, really. <laughs> okay, so there you have it. Uh... Uh, a little frustrating, and I was worried about the hydroplaning myself. Uh, there was a lot of water on that track. Yeah, there was a lot of water on there. You know what? And I don't care what kind of tires, what kind of anything it had. You know what? That's just uh, you know the nature of the beach. You know when you race in 
not only rain, but when you have a torrential downpour like they had, you know, the rain was just coming and coming, not only out of the sky, but then, you know, what was coming off of the infield, you know, running onto the track, you know, it was a, you know, a mm-hmm. river, you know, it was, it was hard to stop, but um, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. It was, and uh, thankfully the uh, Cup Series drivers did not have it quite as bad as those Xfinity Series guys had it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think they tried to make the best of the situation, and uh, they did what they had to do. And like he said, you know, he was passed by uh, Briscoe, which kind of frustrated him, but he knew he could only take his car so far uh, without wrecking it. And so it, it really slowed the race down quite a bit for a lot of these drivers. You know, and and, and listening to AJ's, you know, um, post-race conference, you know, you know what, it's kind of sad, you know, when you think about all the experience he has, you know, not being able to find, you know, a, a full ride, you know, like you said, you know, most all the, all the rides are taken, you know, but, you know, like you said, you know, hopefully, you know, I can pick something up, especially when it comes to the road courses, you know, to help the, you know, help mm-hmm. those teams, you know, get, you know, get out on the map, you know, since he's such a good road course driver. But, you know, once again, it shows, you know, youth and father time, just kind of, you know, went by him, you know, and, uh, but, you know, it's still neat to see him pick up rides here and there, you know what, you know, and still, you know, be able to get out there and race. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'm sure he's excited about having uh, more road courses on the schedule for next season uh, and uh, being able to be a part of that. Uh, I can't think of anybody who wouldn't want him to drive their car on those road courses uh, and it would be good to see him back with uh, College Racing next season uh, to be able to do that uh, and, and be able to race. I know College Racing announced earlier uh, that they are considering a uh, developing a team for the Cup Series for the 2022 season. So that was pretty exciting news uh, because it, it kind of opens the door for well, Ross Chastain's going to race in uh, with uh, the number 42 next season, but it opens the door for those Xfinity Series drivers with Colleg Racing to be able to move up into the Cup Series. Exactly. You know what? And and and, and uh, um, AJ, you know, he's got he has some Cup experience. You know, so I mean, you know, he you know he would be you know if he stays with the team, you know, he would be not only a good driver, you know, to get in the car, but also you know a good coach, you know, to help the you know, to help the younger guys, you know, make that transition into the Cup Series because, you know, we've heard, especially this season, you know, from, from Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, and um, and uh, Tyler Reddick, you know, that the transition, especially while well, it was tougher this year because of no, tra- no practice and no qualifying, but, you know, they said, you know, just the, the quality of the driver, you know, the, the drivers, you know, the racing and the circuit is so much different, and AJ brings a lot of, a lot of experience, you know, to call it racing. Yes, indeed. Now, our next guest will be coming up here uh, pretty soon at the top of the hour. And Joe Graff Jr. had one of his best races uh, on the Roval at the Charlotte Motor Speedway with a 15th place finish this past weekend. And uh, I'm sure he's pretty excited about that. He had a new uh, sponsor that came on board, Watchanista, and um 
so that was really great for him to get that 15th place finish on the Roval, especially in the adverse conditions uh, with which they were racing in. Uh, that was an awesome finish for him. Yeah, you know, it was. And, you know, and, and you know, you think back, you know, you know, I mean, like you say, you know what, it's kind of like the road courses and the, and the super speedways, you know, are the two, you know, the restricted play races, you know, are, are, you know, they kind of almost level out the field, you know, to give everybody and every driver a chance, you know, to get up there, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, try and snatch a win away. And especially when you throw the rain in, I mean, now it's anybody's ball game. Exactly. You had drivers like Jeffrey Earnhardt, uh, who finished in the 11th place. Josh Balicki finished 13th. Uh, Maya Snyder, man, he was leading there for a while in the number 93. He finished 14th. Uh, so a lot of these drivers uh, really had some good finishes. Uh, Jeremy Clements in 16th, Ryan Vargas in 17th. Um, th- some of these guys had some really good finishes uh, considering the conditions with which they were racing in. And so that was uh Pretty cool to see. I'm going to uh, bring our guest into the queue here. Um, Okay, here we go. Uh, And first of all, I want to say congratulations, Joe, on a 15th place finish on the Charlotte Roval uh, this weekend under some really uh, stressful situations there with the rain. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it was a really crazy race. Um, Definitely one of the toughest I've done. It was uh, one of the toughest that you've raced on, but you had one of your best finishes with that 15th place finish. And uh, I was reading that you had a uh, coach for this race with Will Rogers kind of giving you uh, coaching before that. You did some eye racing. And then also Will Rogers, uh, I believe, was your spotter. Uh, So he was able to coach you even during the race. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. You did a did an awesome job, um, and it was really helpful having him as a spotter during the race just because, uh, like, he was really able to coach me through the rain. Like, I know I made a few laps in the wet at Road America, but I'm still really new to road courses, and I'm even newer to racing them in the rain. So uh, having him up there to kind of coach me through it was uh, really important. Well, and it was important, too, because this was your debut on the Charlotte Roval. Uh, So, again, I give you a lot of kudos for getting that 15th place finish in a debut race. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was uh, definitely a good race for us. Really crazy. Um, My my windshield wiper didn't work the whole race, so visibility was probably our biggest uh, biggest problem. It It was really tough. Well, I know a lot of the drivers, uh, and we could see it, actually, uh, the windows were fogging up, but that had to make it really hard. Plus, you know, with with so much rain on the track, you were probably getting a lot of backsplash from the cars in front of you. Yeah, for sure, it, especially after that last uh, restart. It was starting to get dark, too. You had the glare from the screen. Like, you were kind of guessing where some of the corners were. I was actually running uh, a couple spots better with two to go, and I uh, – I checked up too early for the one of the turns, just not really knowing where it was. You were trying to drive out of your driver's side window because you couldn't see anything out of the windshield. So it was just 
a really crazy race. Um, I've, I've never raced in anything quite like that. Yeah, I think I don't think you were alone in that regard. I think that was kind of unusual for a lot of drivers on Saturday. Uh, but Sal and I were just talking about it. We think everybody did a really good job considering what you were dealing with. Um, and I know Sal's got some questions for you as the co-host, so I'm going to kind of pass the baton over to him. All right, awesome. You know, I I I take my hat off to you for this being your first um, first time out on the Roval, and not so much being on the Roval, but then being in a torrential downpour that it was, you know, and the cars, you know, all over the place, and not having a windshield wiper working, and gosh, I don't I don't even know how how you managed to to make finish it more the race. impressive. Oh, it was awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it was it was a really cool race. I'm going to be honest with you. As a fan, I was kind of hoping it would have rained a little bit more for the cup race on Sunday. It would have made it really interesting. <laughs> you know, it would have been as, interesting as, to see how they dealt with it, for sure. Go ahead, Sal. Yeah. You know, as, 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 as the week progressed, you know, and, and, you know, everybody, of course, everybody's watching the weather. You know, they're saying, well, we're going to have rain. We're not. And all of a sudden, you know, then, then the last report was, you know, if we are going to have rain, how do you prepare for, you know, first of all, you know, for being your first time on the road, well, then, and then having to think, okay, if it rains, you know, I got to deal with the rain. And then, and then all of a sudden they throw in, you know, your wiper doesn't work, you know, which, you know, I'm not sure how much it would have helped anyways, because it's the way the rain was coming down and Bruce tells off the car. I mean, the, the, we, you know, some of the in-car camera shots were just, you couldn't see nothing. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Um, but the one thing that I wish I did have to prepare a little bit better for the rain was, uh, if we could, if anybody from iRacing is listening to this, it would be great if we could get rain on iRacing, um, like being able to race in the rain on, on iRacing would be pretty cool. That's a good Yeah, I, I bet it would. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and, and I guess they were during the broadcast, they were talking that the, that the times on the track were like 17 to 20 seconds slower, you know, because of the rain. Did it actually mm-hmm. feel like it was you know, slower or, or with all the hydroplane everything, did you feel like the times maybe you were going 20 or 30 seconds faster than you normally would? Um, no, it, it, it definitely felt slow. Um, you just couldn't, couldn't get the uh, throttle down. You were hydroplaning a lot um, and just, well, you could definitely tell you just couldn't, couldn't get the speed out of the car that you couldn't drive. It definitely felt so. The only place that it really felt pretty fast was when you get back up onto the big track, um, carrying all that speed in the rain and not not really being, being able to see. Like that definitely gave you uh, a sense of speed for sure. You know, Joe, and actually you're talking about your spotter. You know, Will. You know, it being Will Rogers. You know. You know, me and Sharon, you know, we know Will pretty well. I know Will really well from out here on the West Coast, you know, and I know he's got a lot of road course experience. Even with using Will as a spotter, you know what, and, and, and coaching and all that, you know, when the rain came down, how much how much of what he was telling you over the radio were you actually able to do, you know, with, 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 the, with the circumstances that were going on around you with all the other cars? So I was actually able to implement a lot of it. It was really, really helpful to have um, Will on the radio just with his knowledge of road racing and running in the rain and 
all of that stuff. Like it was really big to help him, to have him help me uh, change my line and move things around to be able to um, have more grip in the rain, find some grip. Um, and like, it's obviously tough to do out there. There's nowhere with a lot of grip, but there were definitely places that he helped me find that had a little bit more than others. Hmm. That's interesting because I just seem like no, I mean, there, it's like you even talked about grip. It seemed like there was hardly any grip, but I mean, of course, you know, everybody found a way to get around, but man, it was just, it was, I'll tell you for, from a fan's point of view, it was, it was awesome to watch. It was a very, very entertaining. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. It uh, should be pretty cool for my couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay. Uh, I'm going to kind of switch gears just a little bit here. Uh, I know with the COVID-19, you're probably doing this online, but uh, you're back at school uh, working on your degree at New York University. Uh, Talk a little bit about uh, how that's been for you with the COVID-19. It's a little bit different experience. Yeah, it's it's been going well. Um, I was able to stay in North Carolina. Um, due to COVID-19, I've, I've been taking some online classes, so I guess there's a little bit of a silver lining through all this craziness. They expanded their uh, classes they they offer online, um, so that that was really good. Um, I'm taking some classes now and just uh, trying to manage my time just to be able to get all my work done and still race prep and everything else, but overall it's been going really well. Okay, and now how soon, how close are you to um, uh, getting your degree? You're you're, uh, pursuing a degree in business and media sports and sports management, and I know you did some interning with RCR. Uh, How how close are you to getting your degree, Joe? I am about halfway done. Um, I am a a little bit over halfway. I, I believe I'm a junior now. Okay, so two more years and you're there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, feels feels like forever, but I'm sure when I'm done with it, it'll feel like it went really fast. Yeah, it does when you look back on things. Uh, take it from me. Uh, but I also want to talk about uh, some of your sponsors because you had a new sponsor on board this week, uh, Watchanista, and then also uh, Buck. No, it's, it's not Bucked Up. I think it's your other sponsor. Uh, that has a uh, sweepstakes going on. Yeah, so it is. It is bucked up. They have a oh, it giveaway is. Okay. going on. Um, so you can can enter to win. Um, it's on King Sumo, and we should be pushing it out in all of our uh, social media this week as well. Um, we're we're doing a giveaway where you can enter to win um, a year of a year supply of fucked up energy or you could decide to take uh the cash value of about a thousand bucks oh that's not bad and then Wachanista uh came on for this race and uh talk a little bit about them because uh that's a new sponsor and they, they brought a lot of partners with them yeah i was super happy to bring them on a big big shout out to uh Josh Shanks over there. Um, the Watchanista, for those of you that don't know, is a watch publication. Make sure you follow them on Instagram. Um, 
at Wachanista. Um, they specialize in designer publications and they um, manage marketing for a few watch brands. Uh, and then some of their partners that also came on with them, my, one of my personal favorites is uh, Wax Insurance. So as, as you guys know, I am a big sneaker collector. Um, mm-hmm. And what Wax Insurance does is you're able to actually just take pictures of your sneakers or watches or handbags and it authenticates them for you and you can insure it through the app. Um, so, like, I, I uploaded all of my sneakers, and I insured all of my sneakers through the app now, so that's that's really cool. Super happy to have them on board and doing some cool stuff with them, um, as well as Standard H, which is a lifestyle brand based around motorsports, and we also had Atonement on the car, which is high-end handkerchiefs as well. Okay, very cool. Now, how many sneakers are you up to now? What's the count on on the sneaker collection? So I haven't counted exactly, but I think we we just passed 85. I don't want you to quote me on that, but I think we just passed 85. I just got a couple new pairs this week. Um, <laughs> but I also sold the pairs, so I think we're about oh. 85. Okay, so tell us about the new pairs you got. Um, so I got, uh, the Ben and Jerry's, as you guys know, I've had those for about a month now. The ones I got this week, I, uh, I just got a pair of, uh, Travis Scott Jordan ones and, um, another pair of the off-white blazers that I have, uh, cause mine are getting a little old. So I had to get another pair of them. All right. Uh, I'm sure Sal's got some more questions for you. So, Sal, what you got? Yeah. Joe, how how hard is it to find sponsors? You know, with this COVID, you know, nineteen. I, you know, I I've seen a lot of you know, you know, around motorsports. You know, different different uh, different series and stuff. You know, sponsors coming, sponsors going. You know, you know, a lot of small businesses. You know, I I know you guys target a lot of small businesses, but with them closing, how tough is it to you know to grab you know like this you know these last two sponsors you have for this last race? Well, it has definitely uh, changed the sponsorship market, as you know. Um, I mean, COVID-19 has transformed almost everything around motorsports and pretty much everything in general now. It's affected everything in some way. And it's it's been, uh, it's been interesting trying to navigate this new um, world we live in and how to pitch these sponsors and really show them a great return. But I feel my team has done a really good job of putting together options for these sponsors that really show them the value still in motorsports and why we are such a great a great opportunity to market in. Um, so I've been pretty fortunate that through the pandemic, we've brought on a lot of new partners um, and had a lot of success with them. Um, we've definitely had to change some of our strategies about what we do with less fans at the track. We have less at-track activation, so there's been other things we've been doing to supplement that, but it's going to be really good next year if we could get fans back at the track and kind of get a little bit back to normal. 
You know what? On, and, on, and on that note, do you kind of feel that with no fans at the track, that more fans are watching at home, which 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 could possibly lead, you know, to more exposure so, for your, you know, for your sponsors? So I definitely agree with that. Um, that is a huge thing to notice. Most of the viewership numbers are up. The only thing as a driver that um, is kind of tough is we've had to find new ways to interact with fans. Like when they were at the track, we, like we kind of, I don't want to say we take for granted, but it was really easy to interact with fans and meet people and get um, your name and your product out there and things when there were so many fans at the track. Now that there's not fans at the track, I've transferred to like, I've had Zoom calls with fans and things like that um, just to try to still interact with them in different ways. You know what, and, and I've noticed that about the Zoom, because I know NASCAR, you know, they'll pick a driver or two, you know, each week. Actually, it's not NASCAR. It's um, uh, Major League Baseball was doing a lot of Zoom stuff. I know out here we had some Dodger players, and they were they were allowing the fans, you know, to join in on the Zoom. And I, and I think I think Zoom was it. Whoever invented Zoom, especially now during the pandemic, I think, I think that guy just became the new Bill Gates as far as money-wise. Yeah, he is. He is definitely doing well. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there's so many useful things for it now. Like, it's a great way to interact with fans. Another great way is uh, I've started to now play NASCAR Heat with some fans as well. So, get, get in a race with them. Um, kind of do, do some things there. It's been really cool. You know, that's awesome. You know, you know, you know, that you're able to interact with them in that way because I know. I, I don't I race, but you know I don't know all the people that I race. You know they always look forward. You know, wow, you know if there's an Xfinity driver, or there's a Cup driver, you know, or there's a, you know, a, a popular super late model driver. You know, I'm gonna try and get it on that race. You know, because I want to race against them. You know, and uh, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, I, I guess any avenue, especially you know for you know for you you know to get your name out there, keep it out there. You know, but the exposure, you know, is I know it, it, it's huge for for any, you know, any sport. And NASCAR kind of took the reins this year, you know, when they, you know, when they started showing the races without the fans and said, you know what, we're not going to worry about other sports. You know, we're, we're going to get out there. We're going to run our races. You know what? And, and we're going to give the fans, you know, the best show that we possibly can. Yeah. NASCAR has done a tremendous job this year of kind of pioneering this new um, world we're in. Like we were the first sport to go back. We were, we kind of showed everybody else that it can be done and how to do it. And I feel like, uh, like obviously there was some growing pains and it's not perfect because it, it can't be perfect. Right. But like NASCAR has done a tremendous job this year of making the best of the situation and really um, putting out a great product and still growing the fan base. Yeah, it is. And uh, man, you know what? It's, it's, it, it, it is amazing what they've done. John, I just want to say, you know, uh, good luck the rest of the season. You know what? And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sharon. I know she has, uh, I know she has a few more questions for you. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, uh, Joe, I, I know we're running out of time here, so I'm going to give you a chance to do any other shout-outs that you want to do. And then also let's make sure fans know how they can follow you on social media. Uh, so that they can watch for those opportunities to get in on that giveaway with uh, Bucked Up Energy. Yeah, so all of my social media is at Joe Graf Jr. That's uh, my Facebook page, my Instagram page, and my Twitter. 
Um, I'm also just now making a TikTok as well, so that's going to be Joe Graff Jr. as well. If you guys want to go follow me on that, we're going to have some fun content on there. But, uh, yeah, huge shout-out to uh, Watching Easter. Really happy to have them on for the Roval and look forward to working with them in the future. Uh, big shout-out to Buck Up as usual, Eat Sleep Race, uh, Core Development, um, all of our new sponsors. Really uh, looking forward to a good last four races of the season. Um, we're going to have some more giveaways going on. There's still time to enter the uh, – Bucked up giveaway, so everybody good luck with that, um, and looking forward to the rest of the season. Okay, now, real quick, I, you mentioned that you're also racing uh, some races uh, with NASCAR Heat. When's your next race with that for the NASCAR uh, iRacing guys that want to be a part of that? So, I, I haven't scheduled that yet, but I'll put something out on a uh, Twitter, we'll get some fans to jump on NASCAR Heat 5. It's actually on Xbox. Um, I, I do some of them on iRacing, too, but a lot of the ones I do are on Xbox just because so many more people, so many more fans have an Xbox or a PlayStation, so it's really cool to jump on there and just interact with them and play some NASCAR Heat. Okay. Well, I know a lot of fans really enjoy that, and uh, we've had some of those guys on the show as well. And... Uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about more about that when you come on uh, for your next visit. But uh, we've really had a lot of fun having you on the show, Joe, and uh, we're we're looking forward to uh, these uh, final races that are coming up for the Xfinity Series that starting with Kansas this coming weekend, and uh, we wish you the best. Likewise. Super happy to be here. Look forward to being on again soon, guys. Thank you. Okay. Take care, Joe. You too. Bye now. All right. That is Joe Graff, Jr. He drives the number eight for SS Greenlight Racing, and uh, always an interesting conversation with him. I love his fascination with the uh, sneakers. We always get an update on what's going on with those, (laughs) as well as his eye racing and now heat racing. Uh, He's really an interesting guy. And then the schooling, uh, going after his uh, degree, in uh, media and sports management, I think uh, uh, he's quite an interesting fellow. Yeah, he sure is. You know, it's really interesting. You know, especially you know to get a little bit more insight. You know, on how you know on how sponsorship is. You know, now during the pandemic, you know, you know, like yeah. you, say, you know, some of the businesses closing. You know, it's it's like you know they really have to find new and innovative ways. You know, to sell themselves. You know, with, with, with a lot of companies, you know, that aren't even, uh, like out here, we're not even allowed to go inside a restaurant yet. I know, I know. It's really tight in some of these places. Uh, but uh, real quick, we're going to run out of time here before we get our uh, Cup Series race reviewed, so I want to get into that right away. The 61st Annual Bank of America Roval 400, Chase Elliott has just been so good on the road courses this year. He's 24, driving for the number nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports with crew chief Alan Gustafson. It was his ninth victory and 182 Cup Series starts. His third victory and 19th top 10 finish this year, and his second victory and third top 10 finish in four races on the road course at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 
Joey Logano finished second, posting his third top ten finish in four races on the Roval, and it's his 17th top ten finish this year. Eric Jones finished third, posting his first top ten finish in four races at the Roval. Cole Custer was ninth. He was the highest finishing rookie. And this was Chase Elliott's fourth consecutive victory on a road course in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, Watkins Glen, the Charlotte Roval in 19, and the Daytona Road Course in the Charlotte Roval this year. So he's just had amazing success on the road courses uh, at such a young age as well. I want to kind of finish out the rest of the top ten here. Uh, I've got to scroll up quite a bit here in order to get to it. Um, In fourth place was Kurt Busch. Then we have Ryan Blaney rounding out the top five. The next five are William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, Cole Custer, and in tenth place was Clint Boyer, and he raced his heart out to get that tenth place finish. Yes, he did. And and did you see the picture on social media that blew up with him yes. sitting by the car? Yes. He looks like he's about ready to die. He was <laughs> exhausted. Yes, very exhausted. Only, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, four drivers in the top ten that were not playoff drivers, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, and Cole Custer. They were at one point, but they're no longer in the playoff group. Oh, I have to put Eric Jones in that category as well. He finished in third place. So half of that top ten group were non-playoff drivers. Uh, The margin of victory was 3.895 seconds. Uh, The 13th, which is Ty Dillon, uh, won stage one. Ryan Blaney won stage two. Nine caution flags for 16 laps and 17 lead changes among just 11 drivers. So uh, let's go ahead and hit the points report before we run out of time, Jay. Uh, Sal? Yeah, <laughs> okay. And then, once again, this this was a, 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 an elimination race. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do the, what, the top. The top, the, the the top, top 12, eight. We'll start off with the, the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll start off with the top. I'll start off with the top eight, and then, then we'll go down to the ones that got eliminated. So, um, going into the next round is Kevin Harvick, who's still in first place. Danny Hamlin holding on strong in second place, right behind Harvick. Um, third is Brad Kozlowski. Uh, fourth is Chase Elliott, who picked up his third win of the season, like Sheridan just mentioned right now, and, um, and dominating the Robles, the actually road courses. Um, fifth is Joey Logano. Sixth is Martin Truex. Seventh is Alex Bowman, who uh, made the chase this season. And rounding out the top eight, going into the into the next elimination round is, is Kurt Busch, finishing the eighth spot. Um, the four drivers that got eliminated were um, Kyle Busch, who's in ninth in points, Austin Dillon, who's tenth in points, Ryan Blaney, eleventh in points. William Byron, 12th, Clint Boyer, 13th, Eric Almarola, 14th, and Matt D. Benedetto, who uh, who all got eliminated. Yeah, that's a little confusing the way they've got it written here. Um, yeah, it is. You know what, I'm, I'm looking at it now, it is confusing because it should have been Kyle, Austin, Ryan, and William. 
Oh, you right. know what they did? They want to reset the no, no. Yeah, they reset the points because Clint also got eliminated. Right. So what they did the they want to reset the points. were eliminated. Were actually Austin Dillon, Clint Boyer, Kyle Busch, and Eric Almarola. Those were there the four go, drivers yeah. that were eliminated in this particular yeah. race. And then from Kurt Busch up, uh, those are the eight drivers that are advancing to the next round. So yeah, it's confusing so real, real, how they have so, it. So real quick, Sharon, who's gonna who's gonna who's your top four now that uh, now that we got the shakeup? Oh my gosh, it's so hard to say. You got to say uh, Denny Hamlin and uh, Kevin Harvick. I think Chase Elliott's put himself into the mix, and then I'm kind of uh, not sure. Martin Truex right now is in fourth place, so I guess I'll go with him. But I think there's a case to be made for. Uh, uh, perhaps Brad Keselowski as well, because he's got the 35 playoff points. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Who are you for? Yeah, I, you know, I have to kind of agree, of course, Kevin and Denny, you know, because of, I mean, it, it's not only because they're playoff points, but, I mean, just the way they've been racing. I mean, they've been hot. They've been really good, consistent. Danny Hamlin has really been, you know, you know, he picked up that, that, uh, that, uh, that last controversial win. But, um, you know, Chase has been – Real consistent this season too. Um, I, I've always been a Brad Keselowski fan. He's a past champion. He knows how to get it done. Um, so I mean, it's almost like that top four. But then you, um, I also look at at Joey Logano too, because Logano knows how to. He was he was the big you know there's there's three and then me, you know, and mm-hmm. then he won the championship yep. you know by using that expression, you know, and all it takes is one win from any of these top eight guys. To go into the next round, and all and all and all of them have a, they all have wins this season, so they all know how to win. So exactly, and, uh, you know what? And, and that's what makes it. If none of them had a win, you can kind of say, "Wow, you know, like a Kyle Busch," but they all have a win. So now you're looking at, you know what? There's a good possibility, you know, that we could see one of these. Okay, we lost you. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here, sir. I'm oh, okay. We we'll lost you for a seven. second, sir. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, it's, so basically, what I said is, is that, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, and basically, six of those eight drivers that are moving on have double-digit playoff points. So, and like you said, every single one of them have a victory this year. So, uh, we know that they're all capable of winning. So, this next round is going to be an interesting round to watch. And I've got a feeling we might be in for a few surprises. So. Uh, that will make it even more fun to watch. You're going to be at a racetrack this weekend, Sal? Yeah, this weekend we have our last race at Orindale. Um We have our championship night this weekend for uh, late models, super stocks, and um, uh, our spec race. So, um, yeah, this is our championship Did I see weekend. That, was it Trevor that won some races there? Yeah, he won, he won back-to-back races on Saturday. Yeah, they added this race in because of, this is the cutoff this weekend for the for the national points for the advanced auto parts, which used to be the Wheeling, um, you know, for the national championship and mm-hmm. also for the state mm-hmm. California championship. So this is the last weekend. Awesome. So they, they threw that race in last week. So this is the first first time racing back to back weekends to get the, the to get in before the cutoff. Okay, well, Sal, uh, thanks for being on with us. Uh, I think we got a lot covered in, the, for, in that first hour here, 
And uh, now it's time for us to move on to our Hot Topic Sound Off. You're welcome to stay on with us. Uh, we've, we've got an open seat tonight. I, I wish I could, Sharon, but um, duty calls. And um, you know what? I just want to say thanks again. Have You guys have a nice weekend. Have a safe weekend. Don't forget to wear your mask and, and help California open up because the COVID could be blowing in from the east to the west. So with that, I'm going to say good night, oh. and, and you guys have fun. Okay, thanks, Sal, and enjoy your race weekend. All right, uh, joining me now for Hot Topic Sound Off is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, I was kind of hoping Sal would be able to hang on. I know he's always got things to do uh, coming in here on a tight schedule, but just just one night I'd like to have him on Hot Topics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep trying. Uh, yeah, he's he's been super, super busy, and uh, California is one of those states that they, they have very stringent uh, codes. He said you can't even go into a restaurant right now. Uh, they have very stringent codes when it comes to the COVID-19 so, um, uh, you know, just the way his job is, he's he's been real busy with the fires that have t- taken place out there, and uh, everything else that's been going on. So, it's been it's been uh, really rough, but uh, we're trying to make the best of it. And I know you've helped out a few times, Andy's helped out a few times, and uh, I'm just so proud of our fan for racing crew here. We do have a great team here uh, this past uh, year plus that we've been building here. Uh, been a pleasure to have all these people on board. I know Owen and Mike uh, both came on. Sam's been around a little while. I know we don't get to hear from James. He participates in our uh, fantasy uh, league, and we, we, he hasn't been on as far as hosting lately, but he's always a great fill-in when we can get him as well. Yes, indeed. Now, I do have somebody on the line here. I'm going to bring him into the queue. I've got a feeling I know who it is. Uh, is this Quentin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Quentin. Uh, we do have an open seat tonight if you'd like to join us. I heard you say that. I wanted to jump right in. It's been a long time since I talked to you guys. Okay. I had a feeling uh, that you might have heard us say that. And, uh, yeah, we we would like to have you join in in our open seat tonight. And I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to make an invitation to you, uh, but I'm glad you called in. So hey, let's keep that, it Jay, informal. And... Okay. <laughs> with that, Jay, why don't you uh, kick us off with the first hot topic? Well, uh, I guess we'll go with the one that kind of was that put uh, Twitter abuzz today. I don't know that I want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but Jim Mutter apparently had some tweets that maybe were a little insensitive, um, referring to Alex Bowman and the hashtag he used, reference anxiety, and we'll let it go from there, I guess. Okay, Quentin, what are your thoughts? This is the first time I've heard of it from Bowman. Um, There's been some drivers that I've heard about, oh, for decades that go through that experience and um i it really caught me by surprise maybe it was the road course and the rain and uh you know just the lack of mental preparation i mean what would you guys call it well i'll tell you what i think i think that um what happened is that he made a comment to his spotter and uh he said uh like something about disregard 
disregard the uh, the, disregard my comments or something to that effect. That was anxiety, Alex. Calm Alex will be returning soon, and uh, as a result of that, uh, Jim Mutter went out with uh, some hashtag tweets saying "New Leader Anxiety Alex." Uh, well, a lot of fans jumped on that immediately, especially those fans who maybe suffer from anxiety. They saw it as a slam uh, and kind of an offhanded, uh, rude comment uh, as it relates to the anxiety that maybe Alex Bowman was going through. I, I think <clears throat> Alex was under anxiety more so uh, from the fact that they were racing um, for in an elimination race and uh, I think there was probably some anxiety there. And and we all have anxiety at one time or another where we're a little elevated. And I think it was just his way of saying, hey, listen, I'm under anxiety right now. I said some things that I maybe regret saying, so just know that Calm Alex is, is coming back. So, But Jim Utter, I think, has kind of a reputation uh, for a long time. He's He's been known to say things in a sarcastic way, and some fans don't know how to take that. And I'm not really defending him on this because I think what he said probably was pretty insensitive. Uh, well, it was insensitive, especially to those folks that, that deal with anxiety. And they jumped all over Twitter and criticized him for it. I guess my my initial thing was that he didn't seem to understand the sensitivity that people were feeling from those comments or from that hashtag, and he didn't make an apology. But he has since made an apology. He also referenced the fact that he had talked to Alex Bowman and had a good conversation with him, and I'm sure that they worked through it. Um, but I guess part of the problem that I had, uh, Jay and Quentin, was that he didn't seem to have any remorse for it. He didn't seem to have an appreciation for where these fans were coming from. He initially didn't make any efforts to make an apology. Um, and I think that's what kind of upset me a little bit. And then number two is I felt like some of the people who were criticizing him were as bad or worse <laughs> the hashtag that um, – Jim Mutter put out there. So you you can't tell somebody that they did something that's bad by doing the same bad thing back to them <laughs> because that's two wrongs, and two wrongs are never right. So I had a little bit of problem with some of that. There's a way to make the point without being demeaning to the person. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he probably regrets doing that at this point. From his perspective, he felt that it was a lighthearted comment made on the radio, so he felt that he was just responding in another lighthearted way. Uh, but a lot of fans just didn't take it that way. So, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. It, truthfully, and you, you did a really good job of it, Sharon. I do think that what Jim Utter did initially – was based off of their lighthearted conversation. He was using it as a hashtag. The fans being who they are, and this is a problem with social media. 
the way they yeah. are, they came attacking. And he, he got a little defensive and, and snippety and didn't truly think about what it was that it could have implied not knowing whether or not Alex Bowman truly does battle with anxiety. And there are a lot of people out there that do. So thus, yeah. he got defensive with it because that's not how he intended it, and it just got blown out of proportion. Now, I am with you that as that built up, that maybe he should have said, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean anything by it. I did it in a lighthearted way just as they did. But he didn't do that until, what was it, sometime today. That's where I do kind of have the problem. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think his intent necessarily, and it's one of those of everybody's sense of humor is different. You know, people say Matt Kenseth doesn't have a sense of humor. Uh, I find him rather (laughs) amusing. But some people take it the wrong way. Right. You know, so that's where the issue comes in. And, yes, the, the anxiety thing is a real issue. The fact that Alex Bowman and was joking with his crew chief about it, Jim Utter was just playing along with it, again, maybe not even realizing how how big a thing it was for him or whatever. But when the fans come at attacking, like you said, they are now doing that same thing. So that's where I have a problem with the fans that also then came out on Twitter attacking you. Exactly. Uh, Quentin, now that you've had a little bit more of the story, what are your follow-up comments? Alex is having a career year. And um, I part of the boy for uh, the opportunities that's coming up next year. And also, um, you know, his performance. God, you get into that top eight. I mean, that's not that's not nothing to laugh at. But if if this is, uh, you know, he goes to a freaking wet road course and uses the word anxiety. That's no reason for someone else to take it and run with it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I have I have had some encounters myself with Jim Mutter where he's being sarcastic. It's kind of his personality, and I I was taking what he was saying more seriously, and he would come back to me and say, sarcasm. You know, to let me know I was being sarcastic in that. And then I'm like, oh, I get it now. Um, But that's the problem with social media. Sometimes you don't always know when somebody's being a little sarcastic. In this case, it probably was not the appropriate thing to do. And I hopefully he's learned from that experience. A lot of people were calling for him to be fired, uh, to be his hard card to be pulled. Um, but I, I think it, it was a little overblown, as, as uh, Jay put it, and I think it very easily could have been that he could have put some water on that situation a lot sooner than what he did. Instead, he added more fuel to the fire by the way he was responding, and I understand he was being yes. defensive, but sometimes sometimes when um, – uh, People are more defensive by the way you address the situation. There's a way to address these situations, too, without demeaning the person. And and some of these fans were very, very demeaning to him instead of trying to make the point. And to me, that is the very weakest argument that you can give for somebody to change behavior is to 
uh, call them names or, you know, demean them as a person. Um, the first rule of communication is focus on the uh, situation and not the person. So uh, effective communication, I should say. So a lot of fans don't know that, so they're not doing that. They're just reacting from an emotional perspective. Uh, but what they don't understand is that they're adding fuel to the fire, too, by not knowing mm-hmm. how to handle the situation as well. So uh, it's it's just really, really important um, that we be kind to one another and uh, try to understand one another. We've been saying that a lot. And uh, social media has just gotten out of hand with people being hiding behind a uh, name on social media and being very belligerent in in some of their comments. And I think that went too far as well. But, again, I think Jim Mutter could have quelled the situation. He could have put a lot of water on the situation. Had he come out and said, listen, I was being – I was being lighthearted. I thought they were being lighthearted. I mean, no ill intent to anybody who's dealing with grief or with anxiety. Uh, If he had done that much sooner, I think it would have helped the situation considerably. Uh, So I think a lot of lessons, hopefully, to take away from all of this uh, from all sides, if everybody's willing to do so. So, Jay, your thoughts? Well, and I think as you were talking there, I think about it when we talk about, say, qualifying for the Daytona 500, the elimination round for all four drivers. They talk about, oh, they're not going to get any sleep this week. You know they're under pressure. You know they're under stress. Yeah. You know, and it's all of them as a group. And I think that, like I said, is kind of what Jim Utter was initially doing. But like you said, when fans started coming at him, he could have put an end to it by saying, hey, I didn't, I wasn't making fun of him. I wasn't, you know, whatever and put an end to it then and there, and that didn't happen. But for the fans that are calling for him to be fired, think about what they posted, like you said, of how they went at him. Are they going to get fired from their (laughs) job from it? No. Then why are you going to fire him from his job for it? Okay. He said, hey, I apologize. I didn't mean anything by it. Again, could have handled it better, sooner, whatever. But for these fans that then want to say, oh, he should be fired, well, maybe you ought to be fired. Maybe you ought to be the ones kicked off Twitter. You know, I mean, just like you said, it gets blown so out of proportion. And they want accountability to the ones in the media, but what accountability do they have? You know, fans a lot of times are the ones that drive it on social media that blow it up to be a situation. Mm -hmm. He obviously talked to Alex Bowman, said, hey, we cool? If I offended you or upset you, I'm sorry, didn't mean it, and it's done. But they want to blow it up and have a big thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll let that be the final word there. Uh, And, Quentin, it's time for us to move on to the next topic. So what's on your list of hot topics for tonight? I am hearing a lot of talk about Jimmy Johnson and whether or not he's going to get a win before he goes out. And it brought to mind the other two uh, seven-time champions, uh, Mr. Petty, who went uh, eight years without a win before he closed the door. And then, of course, uh, Dale Sr., unintended, uh, I'm not going to call it a retirement, we know what happened. Um, Do you guys think that Jimmy's got one more in the bag? Uh, Jay, I'll let you go first. 
tough one. Um, he has shown the capability this year. He's had a couple of good runs, a, a second place. Unfortunately, that was negated then by a penalty uh, that got him disqualified. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they are very close and on the verge, and there are a couple of tracks coming up yet uh, that it could happen. And I'd say you'd circle the paperclip there of Martinsville. Um, but there's also been several other teams that have stepped up their game um, to be at, an, at the same level or real close to them when it comes to these tracks. So that's where you, you run into the problem. Uh, he may have fallen off a little bit. That team has struggled. And all these other teams have stepped up. So even if he gets his magic horseshoe back, uh, as they used to, they used to say he carried, um, you got some stiff competition up there. And these guys are in the playoffs, and they're going after it for the championship. So it, it'll be tough, but uh, I certainly do think it's it's possibility. Again, there are a couple of tracks here. Looking at the ones we got left, I think Martinsville and maybe Phoenix. But again, Phoenix being the championship race. A lot of good drivers have greatly improved their performance there, and you still got to go through Kevin Harvick. So uh, it's going to be tough, but I, I wouldn't say it's not a possibility. He certainly isn't in a position, and, and I hate to say that, of uh, Richard Petty in his final years. I, I mean, we all know that. We saw it. My dad was a big Darrell Waltrip fan, went through that as well. But we also saw DW when he got in a different car in the number one of Steve Park for uh, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. He could go back to running up top five, and being up front, but winning the race, uh, that's another step. And, and I just, I don't know if in these final four, they're ready to take that final step. If I had to pick one, I'd say Martinsville is definitely going to be one where we're going to watch him. Okay. I think we're talking Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time champion, and uh, I don't care if he wins or not. I think he's still... Uh, a great champion uh, for the sport, and I, I'm just glad that I had the uh, uh, chance to be able to watch his career unfold and to see him go out and, and uh, win those seven championships. Now, is it possible that he can get a win? Absolutely. I think he has come close, uh, and I think he's been up there contending in some cases not all races but there have been some races that he's had some pretty good finishes and uh, I think it's still possible that we will see him uh, uh, come up with a victory I'm not going to be surprised if he does win but I'm not going to be disappointed if he doesn't win Uh, I I still think that he's been a great seven-time champion and he's been great for this sport and uh, I just wish uh, his retirement year wasn't during a COVID-19 year. I wish the fans mm-hmm. could have had an opportunity to say goodbye to him uh, at the track a little bit more than what they're able to do. Uh, but the fact that he's going to be racing in IndyCar, I think we're going to see a lot of fans go over to IndyCar uh, or add IndyCar to their racing uh, repertoire, if you will. And uh, I think that we're going to have fun watching Jimmy Johnson race over there as well. So, Quentin, what are your thoughts about Jimmy Johnson? Is he going to get another one or not? Well, first of all, I'm really looking forward to the uh, indie effort. And um, you guys have talked about, I've talked to Jay about this a bit, about the wife does not want him on ovals. Well, it's a rectangle. Um, make the exception. <laughs> for the Indy 500. And uh, there's no arguing that that 48 team is fast off the truck. Okay, once everything got switched over to uh, no qualifying, no practice, 
he was putting up results. Sure, he got a disqualification post-race, um, but Jimmy was putting up numbers. No getting around it. And there's a few other teams that we saw come along like that. I think Bowman might have been one. And, uh, you know, they're able to perform off the truck, take the green flag, and do the damn thing. Okay? So, um, I think Jimmy's got as good of a chance as anyone. Um, Would it have been better with Knauss? Maybe. But, yeah, they... They definitely got something off the truck to uh, go out and race. It's not the first time that we've seen this in racing, by the way, um, where uh, it rains all weekend. They take the green flag on a Sunday, and there's certain guys that have been able to make the car happen. Bill Elliott, by the way, was one. So uh, Jimmy Johnson's definitely one. Okay. Uh, Jay, your follow-up thoughts? Well, kind of along, along the lines of what you said, uh, he certainly doesn't have anything less, left to prove, and he's certainly not out there uh, as a starting park making laps just to hang on. So he's not to the mm-hmm. point at that point in his career that we have unfortunately seen in the past in all sports. So I do think that he's going to go out on a high note. I agree with you. Unfortunately, the way the 2020 season has been, it could have been a better year. And you think about it with the disqualification in the one race he missed due to the COVID, he would have been one of the 16 playoff drivers. What round would he have been eliminated in? We don't know. But he, he certainly was still up there as far as top 10, top 15, and a championship contending driver. So, I mean, that should tell you right there. And, again, the way the competition is right now, you can be on top of your game. There's going to be somebody that's just that touch better. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I don't really have anything really to add to my comments. Uh, I just think that it's going to be uh, fun to watch Jimmy close out his uh, season with us, and I'm just looking forward to watching him race in IndyCar next year. Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's. I think there's going to be some other drivers that may end up following him over to IndyCar when it's all said and done. So, Quentin, your follow-up A certain comment. Kurt Busch? Possibly. A certain Kurt Busch, maybe? Yeah. I I really don't have much to add to that, but that is one thing that I caught on my radar starting May 17th at uh, Darlington and then heading over to Charlotte was that Hendrick team is good right out the gate of the truck without a lap. And, um, uh, of course, it didn't hurt a few others, but it hurt a lot of others. So that's kind of where I lie with that. Okay. Now, uh, I talked to – I had comments from both uh, Andy and Jay – not Jay, but uh, Mike – with regard to uh, some of the comments that I'm going to bring up here. Uh, but one of the things that Mike brought up, I'm going to represent him right now. Uh, he he talked about HMS uh, and the fact that the number 24 was unsponsored this weekend and the fact that uh, it's already been announced that Alex Bowman's going to go to the 48. He seems to still think that uh, it's very possible that HMS is going to go back to three cars uh, as a result, and, and there may not be four cars at HMS for the 2021 season. So 
So I want to get your guys' thoughts about that. Quentin, we'll start with you. The never-ending story. Yeah, I keep on hearing about that 88, now becoming the uh, 48. And uh, I, everyone's got their eyes on Kyle Larson, right? I'm not so sure. Uh-huh. Um, unless they can put a prize driver in that 24, I don't think, or excuse me, the 88, we're not going to see the 88 on the track next year. Okay, Jay, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about it? Uh, I don't have a fourth team. I have every faith it's going to be. There's going to be a fourth team there. Um, the sponsorship-wise, it, it may take a little bit of work. We've seen that in the past. Um, I know Mike says it's unsponsored, but Hendrick Motorsports, uh, Hendrick Automotive, has always been just like uh, Haas Automation. It's not that they're putting it on mm-hmm. there because they have to. That is their advertisement, so they choose to. Now, in certain cases, if they, if it's an empty race or whatever that it isn't, yeah, it might not be one they had planned, but I don't view it as a uh, as necessarily a bad thing because again Hendrick Automotive that's their a platform they know they have that capability to do. Um, as far as whether or not it's Kyle Larson, we've talked about that and uh, still a lot of talk about that. So I haven't closed the door on that. And if not, I think Eric Jones has won that. Being the driver he is, I know some of the sponsors may be tied to Joe Gibbs Racing, but he did a phenomenal job with some of the partnerships he had with sponsors. So I think if it is not Kyle Larson, that Eric Jones name will come into play and they will find sponsors um, that have that now have that opportunity uh, to do so. Cause again, I saw some of the stuff he did as craftsman specifically comes to mind. And like I said, it may not have been a personal relationship with him, but with Joe Gibbs, but I think other sponsors can see what kind of, uh, character he is and brings to a sponsorship deal. So if they were to say announce him as the driver, I think some sponsors would follow in suit. Again, would it be one full-time sponsor like Ally with the eight, uh, 48? And they obviously, for whatever reason, felt the best match was with Alex Bowman? Probably not. We see very few of those in NASCAR anymore. But I do think that if you were to get Eric Jones or even, or again, Kyle Larson. Um, I know that one is even a little more difficult with his situation, but you're winning drivers, and I think eventually then they will come in line, and Hendrick Motorsports is a winning organization. So uh, until I see something official that says we don't have a fourth team, I'm not buying into that. No, I know. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I don't think that uh, we're going to see them go down to a three-car team. I think that... Uh, You've got when you've got a driver like Kyle Larson in the wings, or you've got a driver like Eric Jones in the wings. There's no reason uh, to do that because they will bring sponsors with them. Uh, I know Kyle Larson's run into some problems with that, and maybe that's part of what the delay is in all of this because there's been a lot of traction, as we've mentioned in previous shows, of Kyle Larson coming into that fourth car at HMS. Um, uh, but if it doesn't work out for Kyle Larson, you've got Eric Jones right there. <laughs> and I think he would be a great addition to that organization. And I could see uh, him being a good fit 
within uh, Hendrick Motorsports. So I agree, Jay. I'm not buying into the three-car lineup at HMS. I do think that we're going to see four cars. And I agree with you that having uh, the Hendrick Motorsports group on the car um, is great advertising for his organization. I think I'd be more concerned about uh, the succession of Hendrick Motorsports uh, when – when uh, Rick Hendrick is ready to hang up his hat uh, and and move on, uh, and I I, I uh, think that that's going to probably happen uh, sooner than we think as well. Uh, and uh, is Jeff Gordon going to step into those shoes, or what's going to happen with Hendrick Motorsports from that perspective? But uh, as far as uh, having four cars in the 2021 season, I think it's going to happen, and I think they want it to happen, especially um, when you consider, uh, you know, the fact that 2022 is going to be a big year in NASCAR with the new package that's coming in. So, yeah, I I don't see it happening. But, Quentin, any follow-up comments from your end? No, not really on that. I got uh, an obvious topic to speak of. Okay. Well, when it's your turn, we'll come back to you for that. Uh, Jay, any follow-ups on your end? No. uh, We'll have to wait and see. Like I said, right now I – I know it's kind of. I was kind of against it when it when it first started. There's still too much talk about Kyle Larson and Chevrolet working out mm-hmm. their issue in Hendrick Motorsports to even give up on that. Again, whether I think it's the best fit or not, uh, I st- I still think there's something there. Whether it comes to fruition, you know, it might be that they're trying to finalize some deals, sponsorship, Chevrolet, whatever. Uh, that those bridges still need to be fixed or amended, and that might be where we're at in the process. But, uh, again, I certainly at this point don't see the whole team going away. Now, I did see a tweet, though, from Eric Jones uh, that said that he had something uh, to announce soon uh, to be watching for something to come out this week. There's been a couple of uh, little teasers out there on Twitter today with that that regard. Also, I think there's uh, some news that's going to be coming out of Martinsville Speedway as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think if it doesn't work out with Kyle Larson, where all the traction has been uh, most recently uh, for Hendrick Motorsports, then I think uh, there's certainly a good option with Eric Jones. And I'm glad to hear he's got something to announce real soon. So hang tight, <laughs> something's coming down the pike. So Jay, what's trust your next me, topic? I am. <laughs> what's your next topic, Jay? Well, you talked about uh, Hendrick Motorsports uh, as far as what happens when when he decides to, and I know we've had this conversation a couple of times, whether it be Joe Gibbs, Roger Penske, Rick Hendrick, Richard Childress, when they step away. I think that what they got going for 2022 is going to be huge. And we saw, uh, again, I don't know whether it was today or yesterday, but uh, Colleg Racing talking about that's kind of what they're eyeing is moving up in 2022. Okay, Quentin, your thoughts about uh, 2022? Uh, Sorry, I was uh, trying to read my notes to bring up the next thing. What was that, buddy? What's up, Jay? Uh, uh, Looking at eyeing and moving up to 2022, uh, up to a cup level in 2022. Colleague Racing. Your phone. 
Oh, as far as colleague, yeah, I did hear that. Um, you think they're ready? I hear it first. I got I got mine ready. I'll I'll wait until it comes back around to me. Yeah, this is this is your soapbox, Quentin. What are your thoughts about it? As far as colleague, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're ready to go up the cup. I don't. But and, at the same time, in 2022, everybody's going to have a rebuilt fleet um, of cars, and there's going to be some unknowns in those. You know, kind of like with, uh, oh, all the years past where Chevy got behind and then uh, others like that. So, Well, I, I kind of feel like Colleg Racing will be ready in 2022. I think that they've, they've had some great success in the Xfinity Series, especially this year with Justin Haley and, and A.J. Allmendinger and Ross Chastain. Ross, of course, is going to go to the number 42 with uh, – uh, yep. Chip Ganassi Racing, but I think this is the next evolution in their development as an organization, and I see them. Hopefully, they'll stay in the Xfinity Series along with moving up to our, our couple of cars in the Cup Series. And this is a great development opportunity for the Chevrolet guys that are coming up through the ranks, and to be able to race in the Xfinity Series and move on to College Racing in the Cup Series. So I, I. Do you see it as a big possibility, and I do think that they are ready for this. Um, uh, and and uh, I I really think they've had a lot of success in a short period of time in the Xfinity series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Colleg is a businessman, and uh, he knows how to make things happen and how to uh, structure his business for success. So I think he's shown that in the Xfinity series, and I think he can do a great job in the in the Cup series as well. So Jay, what are your thoughts? I definitely do think they're ready. And I was, do you have any comments uh, from Mike on this one? I know that's one of the teams. I think he's kind of uh, not been okay. 100% behind. He said, "Well, he said I like seeing colleagues plan to move to Cup." I think Matt Kay brings an energy and enthusiasm for racing that will benefit the entire garage. So that was his thoughts as it relates to our colleague. Uh, Andy wanted to read a little bit more about it uh, before he commented, but uh, that was uh, Mike's thoughts. And, and we've, we've watched them here in the Xfinity Series as they've developed over the past couple of years. And I do think they're ready, especially if they're looking at 2022 and making that plan already now. Um, that means they got one more year. My question would be is if they can hang on to the driver. We know already that Ross Chastain is moving up with Chip Ganassi. So if mm-hmm. Justin Haley is willing to do one more year in the Xfinity Series and stay with them and be their driver in the Cup Series in 2022 with maybe some uh, random starts, whether it be with a, a – calling team or not here and there or the other teams he has run with such as Spire Motorsports where he got a win uh, I think it would be a is going to be a huge uh, success right from the get-go again not looking for a championship right out the gate we know that's very very rare uh, we'll have to see if any team can do it specifically uh, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan but uh, I do think that that they are uh, another team that we had talked about 
uh, uh, GMS. There was rumor that they might, and they went full circle. They went back to, they pulled out of the Xfinity and went to trucks only. When there was talk about them possibly coming up, I was excited about that. Uh, so mm-hmm. I see good things, and we'll have to see how the 2022 car and plan comes out. That is what NASCAR wanted, and to get more top-level competitive teams at the top level. Um, the other thing I wanted to address there of, of Sharon, what you said, Sharon, hopefully they do maintain some presence in the Xfinity series, but if not, if they aren't capable of that, and we know it costs to, to run a cup team, uh, if they do have to pull out of Xfinity altogether, think about the teams that made the playoffs this year, that they'll be able to step up and fill that gap. So mm-hmm. I, I do like the, the presence they have, and if they stay in the Xfinity series would be a good thing. But I'm not going to get totally bummed about it either because I just think of it, well, that's more opportunity for different owners or the owners that are there to step up in their game um, to fill that hole. So, uh, again, looking at the positive from both sides of it. Okay, Clinton, your follow-up thoughts. Uh, I've always had colleague and, uh, well, especially niece, well, maybe in reverse order on my radar, I do think that uh, colleagues going to do just fine no matter where they go. And you wait till 2022 so you ain't got to build a damn fleet. Um, you know what I'm saying there? Uh, just uh, rearrange the shop and change up all the vehicles, be it carbon fiber and uh, some new rules package to that too, by the way. Um, it's a good thing they're Standing by, I'm really curious who the drivers are going to be, though. I mean, Haley, obviously, but we'll see. Okay, yeah, I I think it's a great move for them. I think that uh, there's a need for another uh, uh, organization in the Cup Series and and, uh, a quality organization. Not that the others aren't quality, they just don't have – uh, the same kind of funding that a Hendrick Motorsports or an RCR or some of these other organizations have. And like I say, there's going to be a changing of the guard at some point. So mm-hmm. with, a lot of, with a lot of these seats already being taken and a lot of these tables are so full already, there needs to be another uh, organization for these young up-and-coming drivers to move into. That's why we're seeing a lot of these Xfinity Series drivers staying in the Xfinity Series uh, for an extra year from what they were maybe a few years ago when they were making that super-fast trip up to the Cup Series. I like the fact that they're spending a little more time in the Xfinity Series before they go to Cup, but I also recognize we need another organization for these young and up-and-coming drivers to be able to move into the Cup Series and for that development process to continue, even if it's part-time rides. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we're seeing more and more of that with drivers coming into the Xfinity Series on a part-time basis until they can get that full-time ride. And the same thing in the Cup Series. They're racing part-time Cup Series races until they can get that full-time ride. And this is just another yes. uh, team that's going to allow that to happen, and I think it's it's healthy for the organization. And to, to touch on the Xfinity 
part of it. Yeah, I, I hear you guys. I, I understand the possibility exists for them not to keep the Xfinity Series team. As much as I hope it happens, uh, it's a lot of money to, to um, cover a Cup Series team. And so that possibility exists that they won't be able to do that. But there will be plenty of uh, other teams that will be stepping up to the plate and uh, starting those uh, organizations in the Xfinity Series as well. At least uh, that's the plan and what we certainly hope does happen. So, Jay, your final thoughts about this topic. Thinking about we're already talking about the butts that might be in the air in 2022 (laughs) when you mention that of of new teams coming in. So Mike's not here tonight, but we still got to represent him. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I said, the fact that if that's their plan and they're going to do one more in the Xfinity, we'll have to see this year. They could come away with a championship. I know right now Chase mm-hmm. Briscoe and Austin Sindrick are considered the, the heavy uh, heavy favorites, but you know, college racing is still in there. Um, they still are. It would have been interesting had this lined up a little bit better. That maybe Ross Chastain could have even stayed. Uh, you know, obviously he's got to take the opportunity he's gotten. He's always had that connection with Chip Ganassi Racing. We kind of expected that. So definitely yes. going to be interesting again for those future years, and I, and I look forward to it. Again, I was really disappointed when GMS didn't, when I heard they were looking to move up, because we mm-hmm. saw that same thing, how they built their program in the truck series, expanded into the Xfinity. Um, another driver, just throw it out there real quick, that we might see more of in the Xfinity series, mention him in part-time rides is Brett Moffitt. I mean, what he's done with the 0-2 uh, is just unbelievable. I think we're going to see him moving, uh, possibly moving onward. Yes, indeed. Okay, so moving on to the next hot topic, it's now your turn, Quentin, to bring up that hot topic you had on your mind. You guys are not bringing up that number 14. It's well, we're not yet. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah. but okay, are, you're are doing we it. Are going to see Chase Briscoe jumping in, or is he going to wait a year later and challenge his buddy Austin Sendrick for rookie titles? This year has been the most exciting uh, rookie class that I've seen in quite a few years. I think we talked about this earlier this year, or late last year, or something. But yeah, well, Jay. I, I thought last year's rookie team was pretty good, too, in the Xfinity Series. What are your thoughts about uh, Chase Briscoe moving up to that number 14? Yeah, well, we, we talked about this, and, again, it kind of caught me off guard, especially since it has come this late. Um, with Stuart Haas racing, though, obviously Chase Briscoe is who they have in waiting. The fact that Clint Boyer has now announced, I don't see him bringing somebody else in uh, for one year. Um, so I almost think mm-hmm. it would have to be Chase Briscoe. And I do think he's ready. I would never, never dispute that. But we've talked about the, the question of doing one year under this car yet and then in 22 having to make another adjustment. Uh, again, I look at the positives to both sides. It obviously gives him some experience and getting ready. But I think it is almost going to be like he's going through two different rookie seasons and having to change over. So at this point, again, I don't see any other plan. You know, Eric Jones, a top driver out there, but or possibly Kyle Larson again. And that's where I think Kyle Larson has a better fit. But then that would be a one-year deal 
because I do believe in 2022 at the latest that Chase Briscoe would be their driver. So I, it'd be interesting uh, for sure. Uh, haven't heard any, any talk to it. I mean, obviously we all think that it's going to be Chase Briscoe, but nothing confirmed or indicated from the team as of yet that, that I've seen anyway. Uh, I just don't see it being anybody but him at this point, or if there's some weird situation where they bring a driver in for one year, um, I guess that could happen, but I wouldn't know who it would be. Yeah, I agree with you. And by the way, thank you. We did talk about this on Monday night, but it's okay that we're bringing it up here again uh, to get Quentin's perspective on it. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of am disappointed uh, that they would bring Chase Briscoe into that 14 uh, under these circumstances, the fact that he'd have to learn two different kind of car setups and entirely different car setups. Uh, it's not like they're a little bit different. They're a lot different. And so it's going to be a challenge uh, for any driver. Uh, I suppose if any driver could do it, it might be Chase Briscoe. He's very adaptable. I've watched him since his ARCA racing days, and I saw him, I've seen him go from race, sweeping the floors at uh, Cunningham Motorsports to uh, racing part-time and, and winning a championship when he goes full-time in the ARCA series. And, uh, you know, what he's done in the Xfinity series has been amazing. He came into the season saying, I need to get eight wins this year. And he now has nine victories to his name. Uh, so Chase Briscoe uh, is, an, is a quick study. Uh, he does adapt well. So I suppose if any driver could make the adjustment to two different types of cars within two years, it would be Chase Briscoe. Uh, but it's not going to be an easy task. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But you're right. To bring any other driver into that car uh, for for just a one-year deal, uh, unless we know, and, and maybe they know more than we do, maybe uh, Eric Almarola is ready for just one more year. Maybe he doesn't want to go into another new car in NASCAR, and maybe he's ready uh, to call for a retirement and maybe that car is waiting for Chase Briscoe for 2022, and they can put uh, Eric Jones into the 14 for this season. That's the only other scenario that I could see that could really work well under these circumstances. But uh, uh, that 14 is open, and I think it's been tabbed for Chase Briscoe, uh, but I think that there are those considerations to take into to, uh uh, the thought process here. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Quentin, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm always high on the uh, a good rookie class, and I'm proud of your boy, Cole Coster. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> that that was awesome this year. Uh, you know, as, as far as uh, new cars not coming out yet, And as far as, um, you know, Briscoe heading into the 14, I think Stewart needs to give somebody else a ride for a year. And, uh, you know, instead of learning one little stock car and then have to change everything the following year, I'd rather see 
um, Briscoe and Cendric and hey, when is freaking Justin Haley going to throw his hat or name in the hat too for get back to cup you know it's but the uh, the 14 what would you do with it I mean I if I was smoke I'd jump back in the seat for another year and then <laughs> redevelop the whole fleet and by the way, it is uh, what's that? The SRX series, the SBX yeah. series, whatever. I haven't done my research lately. There's supposed to be 12 drivers that run it regularly, and I think we're only up to seven. Another topic. <laughs> uh, Jay, Scatterbrain. I know. I apologize. <laughs> your thoughts about uh, your follow-up thoughts here. Well, you bring up an interesting point. I was uh, kind of trying to stand there to find out. I know they said that uh, the the 10th machine of Alex uh, Eric Almarola was set for next year of what it went beyond that. Um, that's kind of an interesting thought uh, process there. Um, if that if they know that seat's going to open up for whatever the reason, um, that they would then sign somebody else, Eric Jones or uh, – Kyle Larson. So again, I I kind of really thought if Kyle Larson were going to come back, I really thought it was going to be at Stuart Haas Racing, um, just for the fit that he kind of has with Tony Stewart mm-hmm. and the freedom he would have Me with too. that. So, um, you know, but again, that that kind of leaned towards Hendrick, and there just been so much smoke there, and we didn't expect the or I didn't expect anyway this 14 to open up, um, being that what we had heard as far as their plan of keeping the same driver lineup. So. Uh, I don't know. I, like I said, at this point, I, I don't see anything but uh, Chase Briscoe, but there are certain some odd possibilities that certainly could happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, like you said, you didn't expect uh, Clint Boyer uh, to hang up his helmet uh, and make an announcement five races uh, before the end of the season. So, you know, that's uh, that's kind of an interesting uh, scenario that he's brought up here. We kind of anticipated it early in the season, but as the season kind of went on, we kind of let go of that thought uh, because uh, he was uh, continuing for – he was doing well and, and headed for the uh, playoffs and everything. Uh, so it didn't seem like that was going to happen, but then, <laughs> you know, five races left in the season and he makes the announcement. So, um, but yeah, the only scenario that I can see that might work out well for Briscoe as far as taking the car in 22. And by the way, I see Justin Haley staying in the, in his car for another see I, I don't see a lot of movement in the Xfinity series this year because of the new rules package that's going to be put in the new car that's going to be put into place in 2022. It just doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense for a driver to go into the 2021 car and then have to relearn another car. That transition to the cup series is so difficult. And I think this rookie class that they have this year in the cup series is proving that out. They're very good and they're still struggling with making that transition. So, and they're going to be in this car for two years and then have that adjustment to the new car in 2022. So uh, I, I think that uh, it makes sense for the drivers to stay in the Xfinity series for as long as possible um, before going up to the cup series. But that being said, I think if a driver can make that adjustment 
uh, over the one year in one car, another year in another car, uh, it might be Chase Briscoe. But I do see another scenario possibly working out there. We'll just have to wait until the dominoes fall to see what happens and uh, take it from there. Quentin, your final thoughts on this subject? Final thoughts on that is when you talk about possible one-year car, are they going to keep the next car for two years, five years, you know, and then uh, make the adjustments from there? I, You never know. And I know it's an ever-evolving sport, and that's great. But keep it keep it simple for I don't know three to five years. Okay. Starting in 2002. Sorry, that's my uh, <laughs> facetious side coming out. That's okay. Okay, we'll now move on to the next hot topic, and I'm going to take it. Um, I've got a couple here, and I'm debating which one to go to. Let's go to the Xfinity Series race on Saturday and racing in the rain. Uh, It was a pretty heavy rain that these guys were dealing with. Uh, We talked to Joe Graff Jr. earlier in the show. If you haven't heard that interview, uh, it was a good one. And uh, I would really encourage folks to go back and listen to uh, our conversation with Joe Graff Jr. Uh, But he talks about racing in the rain and how challenging it really was for those guys. In spite of that, he had one of his best finishes of the season, finishing 15th in the number 08 for SS Greenlight Racing. Um, But we saw a lot of slipping and sliding, hydroplaning, uh, was NASCAR right in continuing that race? Uh, was the challenge a good challenge for those Xfinity Series drivers? Just what are your thoughts about, uh, especially the Xfinity Series race in the rain on Saturday? So, Jay, your thoughts? Well, this is going to be one where I got to go go with what you said last week. I haven't watched the entire race. Uh, I got to start watching part of it today. And I know that I saw the group discussion there about it of some of the problems it was causing. I listened to a little bit on the radio. I think this is a problem of the uh, redesigning a oval track into a road course. A regular road course, I saw the first race that Elkhart Lake, uh, Road America had in the rain, turned out really well but you don't have the big pooling like you have here because it is designed as an oval with banking. So some mm-hmm. of your spots are going to have more sitting water. And that's where I think you run into the issue. Um, like I said, I hadn't been through the entire race yet. So whether or not they should have called it off completely is a tough call, but you know, NASCAR is always looking at it. Um, the best interest of everybody involved, TV package, the fans, uh, you know, there was limited fans. So it's a tough call to make. I mean, and I know that the Xfinity series is one of the NASCAR's top three levels. So the drivers are, but there are also some inexperienced ones who haven't driven in the rain. I think there were a couple that hadn't run road courses, hadn't run the Roval, So it it was a tough call. I I think it came out okay. It was definitely entertaining for the fans. I know some fans like to see the 
demo derby, if you will. In this case, it was a sliding, <laughs> uh, sliding derby, but Flip and slide. so I think it, came, I think it came out. Okay. You know, next time they might make the decision to try and call it off or see if they can't find a way to alleviate some of that with, with drainage. But again, being that it's designed, the track is an oval track. I think that's where the biggest problem came in. And it's one of those that when they did it and it, you know, I had my apprehensions about the Roval when it first got announced, came out to be good. They've made a, a great show of it in the years they've done it. The whole rain racing thing is always another new option. In this case, that's one of those things they really didn't think about with it being in the oval itself, or what kind of cr- problems that might create in certain areas, the deeper water sitting like we saw. Not just water on the track, but deeper uh, mm-hmm. pools of water. And, yeah, it did cause some problems, um, but it's also one of those – I'm trying to think of uh, even during the broadcast of what I heard, I think the lap times were dropping like 17 seconds. So the drivers still mm-hmm. control it. I mean, you know, if you just got to go slower or whatever – keep your car on the track when it's all said and done, everybody else is off the track. You come out the winner. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Quentin, your thoughts. Oh boy. Um, I, I didn't, uh, necessarily enjoy it because the camera angles, uh, it, everywhere you looked, it was just rooster tails. Now when you're Quentin's son, and, you know, mom's there at home watching baseball games. You only got to take in a little bit of it, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, I I thought it was too much. And when they finally threw the red, it was like, good. You know, sure, great. We saw the green flag come down in the rain. And the rest of the day for the Xfinity Series never uh, became much more than puddles and hydroplaning. So thank God the cup race moved on from that much. Quentin, I'm going to have to interrupt you real quick. We have to make our announcement here. And thank you, Jay. You're good. Uh, I I just want to uh, make sure that we make the announcement that for any new listeners that are tuning in, uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, which means that you may hear us go off the air mid-sentence. Uh, but we like to let fans know that we do continue recording the rest of the conversation, and that conversation is available on our podcast as part of part of our bonus overtime materials. So if you're listening to the podcast, you'll be able to listen straight through. But if you've listened to the live broadcast tonight, uh, what what happens is I go out on Twitter to let fans know that the podcast is now available. You can then go to um, uh, the player that we have at BanffRacing.com or wherever you're listening, and then just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation uh, as that bonus overtime material on the podcast. So, uh, again, we just like to alert everybody, uh, especially the new listeners that are tuning in perhaps for the first time and don't know what the routine is here. So uh, with that being said, Quentin, go ahead and finish out your thoughts. No, I was just going to finish up with, sorry, I got a car driving my, um, that, you know, I think they pushed it too far with, 
yeah, it's a great idea. Yes, awesome. We're going to race in the rain. But, uh, yeah, Saturday was too much. Okay. Um, I, I'm i going to kind of uh, uh, echo that a little bit because the one concern that I had is when they started showing uh, the fog on the driver's windows and that they could not see. Yep. Uh, and, and even Joe Graff Jr. was talking about he wasn't even sure about the corners he was taking because he couldn't quite see where the corner was. Um, uh, in that regard, I, I felt like there was a huge safety issue for some of these drivers. He also mentioned how much slower they were driving uh, in order to be safe on the track. Um, but the fact that they could not see through those fogged up windows, I think, was an issue. And uh, I, I, I think it could have been a safety issue. I think we got lucky this time. But, Jay, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said this is a product of putting the Roval on an, uh, a road course on an oval track because just by the sheer nature of the oval, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, lend itself to the kind of issues that we had. Hopefully we won't have the kind of torrential rains that we saw on Saturday every time we race on the oval. Uh, this is actually the first time I've seen it as bad as it is. Uh, and I think you're right. If it was on a regular road course track that's built, uh, to be raced on in the rain, where there's a lot more drainage, uh, I don't think it would have been an issue. Uh, but on a, on the oval, uh, the roval, it, it was an issue. I think on Saturday, uh, I know NASCAR did red flag it, but the other issue that I think they started to run into is that it started to get very dark. And I saw some pictures that fans were sending from the track to show just how dark it really was on the track. Now, Charlotte Motor Speedway did install some lights uh, at mm-hmm. the last minute in case it did go into the nighttime. Uh, and I think there were reflectors on the headlights so that they could be seen. But, I, I just think that they were, were maybe pushing the envelope a little bit over the edge uh, at this race on the Roval uh, with the heavy downfall. Now, I know why they did it, uh, and you're right, Jay. They take into consideration that fans spent money to be there. There were a lot of fans there that could be there two, Saturday, but they couldn't be there on Sunday. So they take all of that into consideration, and I think that's great. But I think they've got to really think about the driver's safety here as well. And I think they did take some risk on Saturday. So, Jay, what are your follow-up comments there? As far into it as that, as far as when it got darker, and and I did see some stuff on that, and I know they talked about that of the Charlotte, the Roval being a night race. The lighting you have to have then for the interior part of the track would obviously have to be added when you talk about uh, series that are designed to run at night or in the rain, no matter what, then you have the actual headlights, not just the reflector tape on the front, as well as the mm-hmm. brake lights. What they have is a running light. So that is just so that you can see a light. Uh, your your Trans Am series that run that way actually have a brake light. So there too. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't think NASCAR wants to go to that level. So I think what they're doing of they learn from it. Uh, obviously, the first time you go through anything, you're going to learn from it. They're aware of it now. Like I said, they might be able to do something a little bit different, maybe with the drainage issue. 
Um, but that amount of rain on a roval, that, when I started watching it, you know, like I said, I heard you guys, the messages uh, coming through that it was raining, there were some issues. But seeing it, what I saw was the spots where it was the deeper pools, like I said, I felt was because it's designed as a, as a oval track. Um, and that just never got come into consideration when they thought about it. You know, initially they're mm-hmm. like, hey, we've, got, we've developed a rain tire. We have procedures for that, but not on a roval or interior design track like that. So there's some things to be learned. And uh, next time, you know, they might call, call that red flag or even postpone it a little bit earlier um, if they can't handle these situations. I like the fact of they did say, hey, the, the, they reserved the right to call it off at any time if it does get too heavy even though they have the rain tires and everything for safety reasons. Um, and you, you might be right. It might have been right on that edge. And we don't know of how, how, how much discussion there was throughout that race of, you know, at what point do we call this, especially as it got mm-hmm. darker. Um, and, you know, you always hate to see a race end early for a reason like that, but it might have been the best call. Uh, like, it's, like you said, it, it did work out this time uh, overall. Um, no big safety or issues or anybody uh, getting real damaged or hurt. So uh, we'll see what they do moving forward next time. Okay, Quentin, your your final thoughts on this. It got to be to the point that you couldn't see the race, and both early and later. So, uh, I mean, how do you weigh that? Well, and I did kind of think, I wonder about that, too, how many fans are actually sitting in the rain to watch it and how much of it could they actually see, especially as it got darker. But I think that there are are at least three issues they need to address uh, for potential situations like this in the future, and that is, one, uh, the drainage (laughs) on the roval. That that needs to be looked at. Two is the fogging up of the of the um, windshield, and I will say that Joe Graff Jr. did tell us that he lost his uh, windshield wiper. So he was also racing without a windshield wiper, uh, which made it hard to see as well. Um, so addressing the fogging up issue, uh, and then uh, the third thing is lights, having the appropriate lighting. Uh, you mentioned the, the lights on the cars and the taillights and even if they can't do the taillights, if they can do something a little bit better with uh, the lighting of the cars, especially as it gets darker, uh, but also the lighting on the track and the infield of the track. Uh, I think those are all three things that need to be addressed uh, because as much as we think that this isn't going to happen again, <laughs> it's very possible it will happen again, and it will happen again on the Roval. Um especially if they're racing during this time of the year because this is the time of year where there is heavy rainfall in that region. So uh, that's, those, are, those are my final thoughts on it, and uh, we'll kind of move on from there. Jay, you are up next. All right. Here, let me see which one I want to go with. Um, we talked about whether or not a, a rookie should move up this year. And I know with Austin Sindrick, it was stated that he was going to remain in the Xfinity for one more year and move up in 2022, but then also have some uh, limited cup starts. 
And I think mm-hmm. back to the years prior, we used to see this all the time that a driver could come up and run seven races, I believe, and still protect their rookie of the year status for the following year. And the reason I think that we might see more of this is with the direction NASCAR has gone following this year of not having uh, practice and qualifying, um, that that might, mm-hmm. might we see more of that with the drivers of doing seven races the year prior to them moving up. Okay, Quentin, your thoughts? Hmm. Really don't have any input on that. Um, I know that the the guys, as far as moving up, the uh, design has changed. Remember um, back when there was a limited number of races you could run for rookie status? That seems to have went away. Yeah, that's the seven uh, races. Yes. Wow. This comes in. Yeah, I don't have a lot of input on that. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that I think that is possible, Jay, because I think and I think it's a good plan. I think that uh, it really benefits these drivers to be able to have. Uh, that part-time, I think I mentioned it earlier, that part-time experience both in the Xfinity Series and in the uh, Cup Series uh, before transitioning there on a full-time basis. Now, in the Xfinity Series, it's kind of happened naturally because there's so many guys that are available to drive and not enough seats available for all of those drivers. So that's why you're seeing like a Junior Motorsports number 8 car uh, that's a part-time car where they're developing drivers uh, on a part-time basis in that car before they get that full-time ride. Um, and I think that they could do the same thing in the uh, Cup Series uh, in order to give those guys that experience before they jump into a full-time ride. And I think it would benefit them. Uh, as well as we're seeing this rookie group do, in the Cup Series this year. I think they are the exception and not the rule. Uh, and I, yep. I, I think that we've got a couple of drivers in Austin Sendrick and, and, and uh, Chase Briscoe uh, that could be equally as good as uh, the rookie group that we have in the Cup Series now. But, I, again, I, I see them as the exception and not the general rule. I think there's a benefit to having uh, those part-time drivers uh, in both of those series before they move up. And, and actually, to be honest, we're seeing that happen even in the truck series with some of the ARCA drivers racing part-time in the in the truck series before they race full-time in that series. Or in the case of a driver like Sam Mayer, uh, he raced part-time in the truck series. He's moving to a part-time ride in the – or is it a full-time ride in the um, – in the Xfinity series with uh, Junior Motorsports next year, so that one was uh, crazy. I, yeah, well, he's he's been pretty darn good every time he gets behind the wheel. So, but he's uh, got to wait another birthday. He's well, he's got a birthday coming up in uh, 2021 where he's going to turn 18, and then he'll be able to race full time. But uh, I think he did a pretty good plan. He he won two championships in the ARCA East. He won the uh, ARCA Showdown uh, Championship. And 
he raced part-time in the truck series and actually won a race in the truck series. So mm-hmm. uh, he he's going to come now to the Xfinity series, and I think I I think for a driver as talented as he is and as young as he is, uh, that benefits him. But there's a lot of other drivers that are maybe older than he is that could also benefit from that, those part-time rides. So I think it's a good thing, Jay. I think yeah, he's given some you, good examples. When you said that, of uh, I'd kind of had this thought when they first announced the schedule with no practice except for uh, five or six dates, um, and then with Sindrick's announcement that he would not move up full time until 2022, and then when you mentioned that with the part time, that's why I went. I actually jotted that one down, and we saw it in the past, and I think it was a good program um, for drivers. You know, like you said, of there are a couple that maybe be the exception, but we've still seen how they have struggled. And then I think about drivers that didn't get that opportunity, unfortunately, such as Daniel Suarez coming off an Xfinity Series championship, and then all of a sudden, oh, you're full-time and hadn't even had a cup start. So I do like that if we were to go back in that direction, and I know even teams that have four cars, they were eligible to have that fifth car for that opportunity. So I think NASCAR did a great thing there in, in making that waiver for those seven races for a developing driver. Um, in the Xfinity series or in the trucks, and you mentioned the ARCA, ones like that, normally that is based on age, such as you were talking about Sam Mayer. He is going to do the part-time schedule based on their age and the tracks they are allowed to drive at based on the age. Um, So you're Mm -hmm. seeing, like you said, seeing it happen naturally, or in the case of Junior Motorsports or Joe Gibbs Racing, they have an Xfinity uh, car that their cup drivers drive occasionally, they need, if they want it out there full-time for the year, to use a, a rotation of drivers. And I think that has worked really well in the Xfinity Series. Guys like Daniel Hemrick got their opportunity, Jeb Burton, Ryan Truex, just to name a couple, that can then also mm-hmm. build up their name and show their talent to get a full-time ride, whether it be with that team or another team. So I do like that, and I think that would be beneficial. And to see that come back at the cup level, I think, would be a good thing all the way across the board, as long as yeah, I don't absolutely. have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> no, no, Jay Huseman uh, Cup uh, Series here. Yeah. To pay yeah, for that? No, that one. That one. I'm not. I'm not funding the rookie uh, rookie development program. <laughs> okay. They Quentin, tear up a lot of cars. <laughs> they do. Any follow-up, Quentin? Uh, speaking of rookie development, that was my next uh, little tidbit. But uh, Okay, well, let's hold on. Ready to go there. Okay. Any follow-up comment on this topic? No. Okay. Yeah, I really don't have any follow-up either. I think I said it all before. And, and Jay, you brought up a good example with Daniel Suarez. Uh, the fact that he went straight to Cup with no, no part-time ride, no, no ride mm-hmm. in that series. So, uh, and and how that did not really work out for him. So, I, I think it's good all the way around. So that's my final thoughts. Your final thoughts on it? No, like I said, the fact that Penske announced it, that's what they were doing with Sindrick, I think will kind of set that standard, and we're going to see that kind of come back into play. Okay. Uh, Quentin, you had a rookie uh, topic you wanted to bring up? 
Uh, breeding ground tidbit, but yeah. Um, this weekend marks the 51st anniversary of Wisconsin's Oktoberfest in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Jay, I don't know if you've uh, ever got the chance to take in La Crosse Speedway, but uh, once again, for four days straight, they all converged in La Crosse. And uh, first time in God knows how many years uh, that... Mother Nature and the racing gods approved of it. So I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see that, Sharon. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to uh, grab a hotel. And uh, there's a lot of them right there around uh, La Crosse Speedway. And they do the vintage class. bunch of freaking awesome versions of the Dick Trickle. 99 and uh rich pickle got to pilot it this year so that was uh my half a day that i could attend and um it kind of marks the end of the uh upper midwest racing season okay jay have you had a chance to take in lacrosse speedway I have, I have unfortunately not. Uh, that's one that uh, even growing up there uh, at that time, we never went to. But I do like that. And, you know, there's a couple throughout the country that get national attention. One like that, I don't know that gets the full national attention. But you think about drivers such as the Sodders, Matt Kenseth. He mentioned Dick Trickle mm-hmm. that come out of these areas, you know. Um, I know I think back to Derek Krause. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Derek Krause, there Derek you go. Krause. There's one from that area as well. Um, I think uh, Sam Mayer's from that area too. Ty Majeski. Who, who was it? <laughs> who was it that found um, Greg Biffle out in Washington? Was it Benny Parsons? Uh, I'm trying to remember who was the first one. To yes, found. Benny Parsons, and um, Benny Parsons referred him to Jack Roush. To Jack Roush. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a, that's what I thought. There there are events throughout the country that I think. Uh, and I know NASCAR is working on on a program with that of getting back to your roots, events like that. I know, again, the Snowball Derby, as well as uh, a couple out in California at Irwindale Speedway, get full coverage. There are more of these that should because that's where, again, drivers, if out in Washington, you had Greg Bifflin, I believe uh, Casey Kane came from out in that way, the upper Midwest. I mean, we we could list a whole ton if you were to go through the history of drivers that come out of that area that need to get that attention, you know, and they don't. So I think one like that could be built to get better coverage um, to, to cover like that. Like I said, I know the Snowball Derby, we've, we know several that get highlighted down there, but there is more than that throughout the country. And I think that that's one of the things with NASCAR's get back to your roots thing or having somebody within your organization, if I were to own an organization – uh, race team organization, <laughs> I would have a, a, a talent scout uh, for that reason. I, you know, know what? I take that back. I, I want to get. I want to have an organization do it, and I want to volunteer to be the talent scout so I can go to all these races. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I I think it it sounds like a really great thing that they're doing a lacrosse speedway at this time of the year. And I'm sure that drivers like uh, Johnny Sauter, Matt Kenseth, his son Ross Kenseth, uh, a lot of these Wisconsin drivers, Jarek Krause, Sam Mayer, a lot of these guys came from Wisconsin. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with there's an Alan Kowicki uh, development uh, group up there, there you go. and they yes, they ma'am. really work with these guys and they train them. And Ty Majeski is a product of that. Uh, and yep. and we've watched a lot of these guys come through that program and come into NASCAR. Uh, but the racing in in Wisconsin is really phenomenal, and uh, uh, you know this this is just another testament. Uh, and like you said, Jay, it's not just in Wisconsin. You see this kind of thing going on all over the country, uh, but they become so well-known that uh, that's where a lot of these uh, talent scouts go uh, and to find the next big driver to come into the NASCAR, uh, organi- uh, NASCAR's top three. But they usually come in through uh, the Arkham Menard series uh, and, and work their way, and now with the K&N, uh, you know, with the Arca East and West being part of that NASCAR banner and the Arca Menard Series banner, it, it's just a great development process that we have uh, developing here within NASCAR as well. But they're coming from these types of uh, groups, and uh, I think it's a fantastic uh, thing that happens there. So, uh, Quentin, what are your thoughts? My thought is that on this side of the St. Bar River, we are down to Elko Speedway. And, but then all you got to go is to the other side in Wisconsin and you get lacrosse, you get Slinger, you get Wisconsin Dells, you get Kakana. And then, unfortunately, because of debates this year, um, the Medicine International Raceway, you guys have heard of them. And they uh, weren't able to really hold any events this year because of county restrictions. Mm -hmm. But, uh, no, Wisconsin is the breeding ground, always has been. I mean, you're looking at Tom Reffner. You're looking at Jim Sauter. You're looking at Dick Trickle. You're looking at, uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of people get mad at me for not mentioning their dads and their brothers and their uh, guys. <laughs> but, so um, oh, tell me about it. Matt Kenseth, uh, hello. Um, you know, and you brought up Kowicki. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of champions that came out of there. Even when Rusty Wallace uh, was on his upstart, he wasn't driving down in Missouri. He was driving in Wisconsin. And, well, uh, he was driving in Missouri, too. But <laughs> Yeah. But uh, where'd they always come back to? Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And then Minnesota State Fairgrounds always invited them all back for an appearance fee. <laughs> you know, that happens. Uh, Ted Musgrave can ignore his name. And mm-hmm. it, 
Yeah, Minnesota lost a lot of races in a very short period of time, be it the state fairgrounds, uh, I-94 Speedway. Jay, I'm sure you're familiar. And then, um, you know, Raceway Park down in Shakopee, and then uh, they kept turning well, dirt tracks we, into asphalt tracks into dirt tracks yeah, and we're not back talking to asphalt about, tracks. Can can we let Jay go ahead and comment? Because uh, I think we're getting no, I'm sorry. up on yeah, another tangent here. Yeah. Yep. Jay? Well, you know, he's right. There were a couple of there. I, I actually got to see Michael Waltrip, uh, Ken Schrader. Schrader's another one. But it isn't just Wisconsin. Like I said, I mean, you find these all across the country. And hopefully as this Arc Menards East and West series build, we get to back to more of that. I think back to what used to be the ASA, American Speed Association. That's where you saw the names of Daryl Waltrip, the Wallaces, and Mark Martin come from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what they're doing with the Arkham Menards East and West and growing that and doing the combination events we've seen have grown that. So I think we're headed back in that direction, which is a good place to be. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think, and you're right, it's not just Wisconsin. It's happening in the St. Louis area. It's happening in Minnesota. It's happening uh, in the West. Talk to Sal Sagala. He, he is out there at the tracks all the time. And you know, part of the uh, part of the NASCAR banner is what used to be known as the All American Wheeling Series, and now it's the Advanced Auto Part Series where they're crowning. He mentioned it uh, just the other day, or just tonight, that uh, they're crowning a you know they're, they're competing for the national California championship in in that series out at Irwindale Speedway, and they're going to be uh, looking to crown their champion um, in that uh, advanced auto parts. Uh, those that series is all over the United States, and that's what we're talking about here. It's in the east, it's in the south, it's in the west, it's it's in the north, <laughs> it's it's. In the Midwest, it's everywhere across the United States. And, um, uh, again, it has been a challenging year. Uh, It it hasn't been as uh, easy as uh, we've seen it happen in the past, but uh, it's still going on, and it's a great development of these drivers. And some of these drivers, you know, some of these drivers that uh, we know are very, very talented, but for whatever reason, maybe because of sponsorship, maybe because of just funding, uh, uh, the ability to be able to get to all of these tracks and develop their careers into NASCAR, they're still super, super talented guys. And I think about a guy like uh, Derek Thorne, who is a multi-time mm-hmm. SRL champion, Um uh you know, that's where you see a lot of these guys. Bubba Pollard, Pollard uh, and what he does on the track. Um, the, the Snowball Derby that takes place. Uh, these are all events where you see very, very talented drivers uh, racing on these small tracks. And, and they're just as good as some of these NASCAR drivers, but they didn't get the same opportunities for a myriad of different reasons. And um, or maybe they just didn't have a desire to go that direction with their career, and they wanted to stay local. Um, there's so much talent out there to see at these uh, local home tracks, and 
I don't want to leave the impression that we're talking just the Wisconsin area because, yes, it's happening in Wisconsin, and, yes, we've seen some great names come out of Wisconsin, but this is happening all over the United States and uh, at local racetracks all over the United States with equally impressive names that are coming off of those racetracks. So Tim Huddleston, a former NASCAR driver, he's the owner of Irwindale Speedway out in the West uh, and uh, doing a lot of really great things to develop new drivers there. So, yeah, this is happening everywhere. So, Quentin, your final thoughts? Uh, It's funny that you mentioned the Huddleston name because I've actually uh, been on – his real name's not Neil, but he calls himself – on the AM station, the racing deal with Neil out there in Spokane. And, uh, well, I'm talking about Tim Huddleston. I'm not uh, talking about, he's talking about, he's talking, yeah, he, he talks frequently about, um, you know, that Spokane, Washington area and, um, the surrounding (laughs) racetracks there. And, um, yeah, he mentions, uh, Trevor, quite a bit, and then uh, every time that the former Canon West, now the uh, Arca West, come out to the uh, tracks out on the West Coast, just like Sal brings up, and um, apparently there's a lot more happening out there than uh, people realize, and it'd be great to get better TV coverage, but Anyway. Okay. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour here. It's been a fun night here on Fan for Racing Radio. And, again, we did have a great interview with Joe Graff Jr. earlier during our second half hour. And I really encourage everybody to go back and listen to that conversation um, and uh, hear what he had to say about racing in the rain in the Xfinity Series and uh, some Mm -hmm. other myriad and assorted different uh, conversations that we had. Um, But uh, uh, it's time for us to do our roundtable. So, Jay, I'm going to start with you, and uh, then we'll close out the show here. All right. Well, you can follow me on Facebook at Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be back here Thursday night for the preview show of the upcoming weekend at Kansas as we cover that. And leave a little bit of a teaser. We'll have to see what Mike has to say about this. Uh, SRX, the uh, series, had put out a teaser about a possible driver announcement coming yet this week, and I retweeted (laughs) it. Jeremy Mayfield had a little gif up of him volunteering saying he'd like to participate. Mm. So that'll be kind of interesting to see if that comes about. But (laughs) for those that haven't heard that name in a while, we'll see what Mike has to say about that. Interesting. Okay, Quentin. How am I supposed to follow the name Jeremy Mayfield announcement? Okay. Well, Um, give us your social media. (laughs) (laughs) Speedway Anywhere podcast on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm also on Facebook for Facebook uh, Live. Um, we do simulcast. And then, um, yeah, beyond that, I'm curious what these next four weeks 
Will mean. When's your next show, Quentin? Uh, probably Thursday. I don't commit to nothing right now. It's that kind of year. It's 2020. Okay. Ain't that okay, the truth. I got <laughs> okay. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter. We're Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com, where uh, we posted uh, Sam's uh, recap of the race, uh, cup race this weekend. Uh, we also had uh, Owen's uh, cash or pass article for those guys who like to bet on the races he always gives a really good analysis of who to bet on uh for your fantasy picks and then uh jay or not jay but um i'm sorry andy had an article on clint boyer's retirement that we posted this past week as well so uh definitely uh check those out uh i i I'm going to get my Martin Truex article out there. I've just been so busy, it's been hard to kind of fit that in. But I am going to get it up. Um, and uh, I know that we will have uh, the radio show on Thursday starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with Hot Topics at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And we've got a lot of racing to cover at uh, at um I've got to double-check something, Jay, just real quick here. I'm going to look on the Arkham Menard Series site. I think there is a race for the Arkham Menard Series West, and I have it in my book for Thursday night. Let me just double-check and see when they are, in fact, racing. They're racing on October 23rd, so I think we're safe. We are safe. Okay. So okay. <laughs> um, we can do the show at Thursday night. Uh, but there will be the Arkham Menard series that will be racing at Kansas. This is their season finale. So uh, championship on the line between Michael Self and Brett Holmes. Uh, so uh, definitely looking forward to that race, as well as the Truck Series race on Friday, the Xfinity Series on Saturday, and the Cup Series on Sunday. We'll, we'll preview all of those races on Thursday night, along with our Hot Topics at 10 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, definitely looking forward to that as well. So with that, I think uh, I'll do a shout-out to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you for taking the time to listen to what we have to say. And uh, to our Fan for Racing crew, I appreciate each and every one of you. So uh, with that, Jay, uh, I think we'll call it a wrap. All right. Have a good night. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Okay, good night, everybody. Good night.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.